Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the Best Damn Move Related Show on the planet Earth, the John Campus Show. Coming from right here on my YouTube channel, I am, of course, your host, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies, movie news, TV, streaming, all sorts of good stuff. Sitting right over here, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Robert, how are you doing today? John, do you know that today is official Twilight Zone Day? Ooh. Is this going to be a thing now? Yesterday was Washington State Day. Today is Twilight Zone I, I, Day. I got a new it's calendar. Just, two things. Of, you know, <laughs> Twilight Zone is one of my favorite things. I don't even know, like, who decreed this. Like, when did somebody decide that there was going to be a national Twilight Sure Zone probably day? wasn't any government body, but um, hey, it's Twilight Zone Day. Yay! Why not? Yay, Rod Sterling. Sitting right beside Rob. She is voice actress and instructor, Chris Carr. Chris, how you doing? I am great. I got an extra dose of serotonin this morning by rewatching James Hong celebrating getting his Hollywood Walk of Fame star. That's a dude so who deserves great. it. Absolutely. It's like, so overdue. In an era when a lot of actors and studios just buy them, like uh -huh. that's actually a dude. It's good to see somebody who actually deserves it considering his career. Oh, yeah. uh, sitting over here and joining you guys in the live chat today, Ray Ora's in the house. Ray, how you doing? Hola. <laughs> Is that a coconut? It's a coconut. <laughs> Continuing on the festive spirit, we're also joined today by actress. You've seen her in things like The Flash. You saw her in The Rookie. You saw her in SWAT last week. The disaster artist SWAT last week. King Everything. Richard. Ray King Cummings. Richard. King Richard. All Ray that Cummings. Kind of stuff. Ray Cummings. Aaron Cummings is here. <laughs> Hi. So and I am so thrilled. This is my first time in the studio. And listen, look, the island has a population of two now. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I know. know about the you guys island. are so far away. I want to give a special shout out to Norco Donuts. I stopped by there this morning. Little mom and pop Filipino uh, donut shop. I brought, I basically got one of everything in the donut shop and it was all $14. And so uh, shout out to Norco Donuts. And I did also bring special security here with me. So oh. Joey <laughs> is here. She is going to be making sure that nothing goes awry in the new studio. Studio security, Joey Bishop. By the way, I, uh, I noticed Ray. Uh -huh. What's what's Henry got go going on oh, over there? It's Party Henry back there. He just Party Henry. We he's officially made him out. a part of the island right he there. He got laid. <laughs> Henry got laid. There we go. Hopefully we all will today. And uh, by the way, just so you can hear his voice, uh, he doesn't have a camera yet. But but fact checker Jonathan Jonathan Boyko is speak voice of God. The man behind the curtain. Not yeah, curtain. you can I'm actually not behind that curtain. But there's another curtain, and I'm behind that. But we can actually hear him today. Anyway, he's guys, our, he's on our island with us. We've got our <laughs> island. We're kind of like the we're like the little kids' table. <laughs> guys, it is great to have you guys here joining us here today. And here's how today's show is going to go. We're going to break it up into two parts. In the first half of the show, we're going to talk about some predetermined topics. Then in the second half of the show. We're going to take your live comments and questions. Now, here's how you get a live comment or question on the show. Number one, you got to be watching live. Uh, secondly, once we get towards the end of the final topic of the day, we will open up the super chats. So if you guys are watching live, you can jump in the live chat and use the super chat once we open them up. And then once we open them, they're only going to open for a couple of minutes. So make sure you have them ready to go at that point. All right, guys. Before we get into our main topics here today, let's talk about one off the top, and that is this. One of my favorite things as a movie fan is pleasant surprises. I mean, it's great when you got a movie you're super stoked about and you go to see it and you have a blast and that's great. What's really fun is when you get these movies here, you're like, okay, that looks like it would be all right. And you go and you love it. And that is the case with Blake Lively, Anna Kendrick's film and Henry Golding's movie, A Simple Favor. That movie 
to me is one of the biggest, best, pleasant surprise movies of the past five years to me. Like I just, I went into it just expecting, ah, it's going to be a little whatever. It's wonderful. It's charming. Anna Kendrick is great. Blake Lively is nuclear in it. Henry Golding shows that he's more than just the charming guy in it as well, as well. And directed by Paul Feig, who I think this is my favorite Paul Feig directed movie mm-hmm. other than maybe uh, Bridesmaids. I mean, I, I liked it that much. It's fantastic. Now, here's the thing. It didn't make a ton of money at the box office. Made about just a hair under $100 million. But it only cost $20 million to make. So maybe I shouldn't be so surprised that it's been announced that A Simple Favor is now getting a sequel. Uh, Deadline is reporting that they have decided to greenlight it, move ahead, and do another one. This is what they wrote. They wrote, After the original's box office success and critical acclaim, Lionsgate and Amazon Studios are getting the gang back together for a sequel to A Simple Favor. Sources tell Deadline the studios will partner for the second with stars Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively set to reprise their roles and Paul Feig returning to direct as well as produce with Laura Fisher, Jessica Scheischer as well as writing the screenplay. So listen, chalk me up as being so stoked about this. I never thought in a million years they would do another one because again, small little film made a tidy profit, but not blockbuster numbers. I think this is fantastic. Rob, you heard about this. What do you think about them doing a simple favor too? You know, I would not have seen this movie uh, unless you waxed rhapsodic about it. Uh, you know, I, I'm like, okay, I love Blake Lively. I loved, I mean, I have great big love for this movie. She was in called age of Adeline, which is yeah, a beautiful talk about film. It all the time. Yeah. I love it so much. I too, I'm like, how good, you know, is this, I bought it. I, you know, I bought the disc surprise, <laughs> surprise, but I watched it and I was, I thought it was great. I really, it was one of those movies. I didn't know where it was going. Like, I'm like, what is this movie about? And I was one of those things where, I, where, like, I didn't read anything about it. I just put it in and watched it. And I'm like, I'm glad I did. I, it was thoroughly entertaining. It was different than I thought it was going to be. And I loved it. So it doesn't surprise me. I mean, I would assume that the script is really good. That's probably what they had an idea. The script has been written, I guess. Or I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to this to see where it goes. You know what's just as entertaining? Go on YouTube and search for Blake Lively and Anna Kendrick with their best of moments of their press tour. It is some of the funniest shit you will ever see. And anyway, Chris, uh, what did you think of A Simple Favor? And what do you think of them actually doing a sequel? Are you surprised or what do you think? I am surprised, but I'm happy because I love this movie. Um, you know, it's funny. It's dark. It's sexy. It's really, really great. And this is something that really put Blake on the map for me because I had just known her as the Gossip Girl girl. Right. Right. And so I got to go back and watch her filmography and be like, oh, I really enjoy her. She's really, really incredible. It's also uh, the only way to make a martini is done in this film, too. So that's right. <laughs> more people making proper martinis i'm all for it Aaron, did you ever have a chance to see a simple favor i did not see a simple favor but clearly i need to go home and watch it right now it's so good but what i'm getting out of this that is really exciting to me and i think that we're going to start seeing a lot more of this is you know obviously it is just the streaming war boom and we are seeing so many television shows um or sorry streaming shows formerly the 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 artists formerly known as television shows now streaming shows but what i think we're going to start to see a lot more of is some of these movies that were made for a small budget, maybe the budget that you could make a season of a streaming show for, or even less, coming back and having sequels of, you know, uh, and we're going to see that because this is Lionsgate. You know, it's a small... uh, 
quote studio um they compared are compared to paramount right, and compared, the they're, they're not yeah. making lionsgate is not making the you know 200 million dollar blockbuster movies for the most part they're making a little bit smaller budget art house type films um that find their niche audience and then combined with amazon joey really wants this croissant you're gonna have to sit down i'm sorry um, <laughs> she's losing her mind over here you know and so uh you know i imagine that this is probably not gonna have a theatrical release. I or think if it, it is. It, or it, if it, it does, looks, it I imagine like it, is, it might yeah. have a smaller theatrical release. You know, one of the problems um, financially for filmmakers so often is that the cost of making the movie is not just the budget. It's also all the P&A and the cost of actually putting a movie in theaters, which is incredibly prohibitive for a lot of people to be able to achieve. And so television often seemed more financially uh, viable for, for, for filmmakers often. It seemed like a more financially uh, economical route to go. And now because of streaming, you have the opportunity where um, Amazon can go, hey, we're always looking for more content and maybe that's in a streaming series but that can also be in a sequel to a really beloved movie because then not only can we release this on our platform we can also re-release the original on our platform and find a new audience there as well so I think that we're actually uh, I, I think that this might be not the beginning beginning but a hint of what's to come. And I agree. I think Blake Lively is fantastic. Um, what was the movie that she did? Uh, not Gone Girl. Um, Savages? Savages. Oh, yeah. I, that was actually the movie that for me, I was like, because again. I didn't you know, love that movie, but I love her in she's it. Great. Exactly. And that was the thing that I took away from Savages was, you know, I, I think that a lot of times, uh, unfortunately for some of the, the CW shows, you, you know, we, we look at certain actors and we just go, oh, it's a CW show. But then you see them in a project and you go, Wow, that person's really talented. So good for her and good for this project and good for what it maybe means to more sequels. Ryan Reynolds is the second most talented person in that marriage. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this news that A Simple Favor is getting a sequel? Considering the fact it made about $100 million, likely a lot of you guys didn't see it yet. Absolutely go watch the original. I think you're going to love it. Whatever your thoughts are, jump down to the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. Okay, guys. With that down, let's move on to our main topics here today, shall we? And how do we select our main topics here on The John Camby Show? Well, it's really rather simple. You see, you guys come up with our main topics. Whenever you come across a big topic issue or story that you guys feel we need to cover as a main topic here on the show, just go anytime 24-7 over to www.thejohncampiashow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's absolutely free. Hit submit, and then maybe... Just maybe you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on the John Campia show. With that down, Chris, what is our first main topic today? Our first topic comes from Daryl Cooper. Hey, gang, did you see The Hollywood Reporter said that Avatar 2 had 148.6 million views within its first 24 hours? That's more than all the recent Star Wars films. And people still say no one is interested in this film? It, it is the laughable narration that keeps going on whenever avatar comes up people think they look cool and they go well nobody cares about avatar there's no uh -huh. <laughs> again i pointed this out the other day so you know we we do mailbag and you know we'll average anywhere between 10 15 sometimes twenty thousand views on on a mailbag episode which is great doing mailbag we put up one last week that avatar was in the title forty five thousand views like double what it normally gets 
Tell me again how nobody is talking about or cares about Avatar. And of course, the trailer comes and now it does a lot. As a matter of fact, they're saying it is the 11th largest trailer drop in history in the first 24 hours of views, like ahead of a lot of big marquee movies and things like that, including any and all Star Wars movies as well, and vast majority of Marvel films as well. So, yeah, I think we can now officially put to rest this narrative that nobody's thinking about Avatar and nobody cares about Avatar because, like, a lot of things in movies are subjective. This is not. This is quantifiable. This is measurable. It is objective fact. Hell yes, a lot of people are interested in Avatar. Now, look, I'm not saying Avatar is going to be Avatar 2 Way of Water is going to be a great movie. I have no idea. I just know that I trust James Cameron because not once has he ever let me down for a movie he's directing. Right. For a movie he's directing. There are some other movies he's put his name on as a producer that have not worked out so great. But just about everything James Cameron has ever done always turns out to be absolute money. And, you know, this again is really interesting because one of the things about it was that it initially dropped exclusively in theaters. So there was a lot of people who already saw the trailer because it dropped exclusively with Doctor Strange. There was already a lot of people who already saw the trailer before it ever even made its way online for people to see online. Anyway, this comes to us from the folks over at The Hollywood Reporter who write the following. The first teaser, tra teaser trailer for James Cameron's sequel, Avatar The Way of Water, rode a huge wave of interest when debuting online early Monday after playing exclusively in cinemas over the weekend. The teaser finished with its first 24 hours online window with 148.6 million views, including 23 million views from China alone. This thing's going to play really well in China, according to Disney and 20th Century. That's ahead of all recent Star Wars films, including Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. Like Avatar 2, the teaser trailer for that film also played exclusively in theaters first. Chris, we're now seeing these numbers mounting up. I mean, mm -hmm. statistically, it's shown there's a lot of interest. I still don't believe that Avatar The Way of Water is going to be a $2 billion film. But, I mean, we'll see what happens once the real trailers come out and yeah. we'll start to get a, the sense of buzz from people. But I think this thing's going to be a massive hit. What do you take away from this? It absolutely is going to be a massive hit. You bet on Cameron. Oh, my gosh. You always bet on Cameron. I think this looks fantastic. I was so excited when I saw this trailer at CinemaCon with you guys. It was so beautiful. I can't wait to see the full thing so we can get the scope of the story and everything. But this just goes to show you that the people who are saying people aren't interested in this film, it is a very small minority. It just happens to be a loud one. And it's it, again, it's it's the people online. It's people like us yeah. online, right? And I think people like us online, we often forget, as do I, that we are actually very small percentage of the overall movie-going audience. For sure. People who do and watch shows like the John Campus Show, we are a, a niche. Yeah. We are a small group. And within our group, we are very, a lot of us are very loudly say nobody cares about Avatar, but anyway, here we are. Chris, <laughs> Chris Aaron, mm -hmm. you had a chance to see the Avatar trailer at CinemaCon before anybody else. Mm -hmm. Are you surprised by these big numbers and how big of the opening do you think this thing can have? I am not surprised at all, even before seeing the trailer. I've always been Team Avatar. I'm not necessarily saying that it is the greatest movie that I've ever seen. It's my favorite movie. I'm not saying that at all. I just, based on what James Cameron does, his level of excellence for what he expects from movies that his name is on as a director, he just goes above and beyond. He is groundbreaking in his technology. And that's one of the things that I actually really love about the first Avatar and what I'm looking forward to seeing in the second one 
is the way that he's constantly moving the bar forward in our industry. Yeah. And so th that's what's really exciting and what we saw in the trailer. Um, I don't really pay too much attention to the naysayers because it's like, you know, you're going to like what you like. And what this sh tells us is that not only did people see the trailer in the theater and go, oh, my gosh, I want to watch that again. So I'm going to go home and watch it. But I'm also going to tell everybody else about it. And it also tells us just by the number, the fact that 23 million views in China alone. Hey, guess what? I know that wherever you're watching this from, sometimes we feel like. That's the center of the universe. You know, I'm watching this from Los Angeles, so that's my center of the universe. Or I'm watching this from Idaho. You know, clearly there are people all over the world that are captivated by this film. And there's something about it, um, whether it's the technology or just the storytelling or the fact that everyone's blue. And so it, it is relatable to everyone because it's relatable to no one. Um, I don't know. I just I'm really excited about this film. And based on what we saw, I think it's going to do very, very well. And the naysayers will continue saying nay, but they're clearly they're 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 loud. My, their loud minority is going to begin softening very quickly with these numbers. Rob, you're taking a look at these numbers. Surprised by them? Do you, did you think they'd be this big? Do maybe <clears throat> you thought they'd be bigger? What does this tell us? Well, you know, I've always been an avatar lover. I love this movie and I've put up with just like you said, so many people in our circle have been poo pooing and naysaying <laughs> avatar since almost the get. And I've always wondered, like, what what's that about? Like, you know, this film, there's a scene when when Jake Sully first gets in his avatar body and he's been crippled. You know, he's been in a wheelchair. And when he gets up and he realizes he's mobile and he's he's, he's kind of loosey-goosey and he bursts out and runs out into the Pandora air, you right. know, and he's running because he's been crippled. This, I love this scene. Like, whenever I see this, the, it, 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 the, the, the emotion I feel, and I really think that might be part of the disconnect this movie is not as cool as I think people should think it is. It's more about emotion and romance. And there's a lot of feels in this movie. And I think that's why some of our, our circle sort of doesn't like it as much because it's more of a, it's more of a, I mean, it's a rom it's a sweeping romantic, dare I say it, uh, ecological sci-fi epic, but it's not as kick-ass as say aliens. Right. You know, you don't, you know, aliens is kick ass, man. You know, even the abyss has emotion in it, but it's more kick ass or true lies is kick ass and funny and all that. But this movie, it, it requires to have a romantic soul. You got to feel some stuff. And this is just a theory, but this movie really gets to me. And, mm. and you know, I've all, often said, I told you the other day, when, when you see Jake get on, the, I forget what the dragons are called, but when he rides that. And that sequence, again, the joie de vivre that you feel when, I mean, I want to I want to ride one of these things, man. I mean, look at that. Who wouldn't want to do that? I don't want to feel a goddamn thing when I see a film. I mean, no, <laughs> I, I mean, this, this movie gets me right in sci-fi feels. And, oh. and I think I think it worked for a lot of other people because most moviegoers aren't, they're looking at that and they're elated by this. My, my seven-year-old mom, she was 70 when she saw it. She's 83 now. Same thing. She looked at it and was like, that was how did they do that? You know, and I think most people feel that way. Ray, I, I you know, I don't think I. <laughs> Ray was supposed to be like that. I was fishing over here. Hey, um, like you were with, I don't think I asked you, but you were with us when we were over in uh, at CinemaCon, and you saw the thing. What did, what did you think about the uh, the Avatar trailer? Nothing yet. I mean, there. I didn't see uh, any story 
in what we saw. But a lot of the flying shots, it kind of looked video game-ish. I don't know if it's supposed to look that way. I, I, I think personally that it's still unfinished what we saw, some of the stuff. But um, He's only been working on it eight years. <laughs> so that's the way it's going to look? I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, oh, he's, man. he probably is racing to the deadline. <laughs> oh I'm sorry, Mr. Cameron. I know you are one of the gods of directing, but I don't know. All right. Don't worry. Keeping it real, man. <laughs> Keeping it real. Well, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this? 146, 148 something million people watched the Avatar trailer, even though it debuted in theaters first exclusively. What do you think about this? How much interest do you think there is for this movie? Are you reevaluating your position? Maybe you're not. Whatever you guys' thoughts are, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. You know, when you're riding one of those dragons of Pandora, that can build up an appetite. Mm. And thank goodness we have our sponsors here today, the wonderful folks at HelloFresh. Hey guys, we want to take a moment and thank a sponsor of today's video, HelloFresh. So guys, look, my wife Anne and I were both working professionals, so we know how tricky, difficult, and time-consuming it can be to try to eat properly and prepare your own meals at home. And that's why, like over a year ago, we started using HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. I mean, you skip the trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and probably most importantly, affordable. HelloFresh offers the flexibility you need to easily customize your orders online or right in the app. Easily change your delivery day, food preferences, and plan size, or skip a week whenever you need to. HelloFresh is 72% cheaper than a restaurant meal of the exact same quality, and you can save on average over $65 a month when you order HelloFresh instead of going grocery shopping. So guys, I'm telling you, whether you are single or have a family, you are going to love HelloFresh. So go to HelloFresh.com slash Campia16 and use the promo code Campia16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. That's again, HelloFresh.com slash Campia16 and use that promo code Campia16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. And thank you to the good folks at HelloFresh for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. Remember, guys, when you support our sponsors, you're actually supporting the show as well. So go down to the description of the video. You'll see the link with all the promo codes and everything for our sponsors. Go and support them and support our show at the same time. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number two. Chris, what is our second main topic today? Our second topic is from Vinny D. I'm not what you would call a hardcore Star Trek fan, but I've enjoyed Discovery and Picard well enough. I checked out the Strange New Worlds premiere, and I thought it was really good. And then I saw that the critic rating on the show is the highest rating ever for any Star Trek show. All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in, man. And so, obviously, there's a new era of Star Trek. We got a bunch of things on Discovery+. Plus. <laughs> I am somebody who I enjoy Discovery. Uh, not the best thing I've seen on TV, but I enjoy it. I enjoyed Picard season one. I got about three episodes into Picard season two, and much like Better Call Saul, I just... Never got back to it, even though I was kind of enjoying it, but I haven't finished Picard season two, so there's that. So one of the things, though, that I loved most about Discovery, though, was the introduction of Captain Pike and his crew with the Enterprise. And I just loved that collection of characters. So when they announced that they were going to be doing a spinoff series of that, and it was going to be Strange New Worlds of the Enterprise pre-Captain James T. Kirk with uh, Anson Mount as Captain Pike, I was very interested in it, and we'd see how it goes. Now, of course, 
new Star Trek, there's a lot of people really like it. A lot of people really don't. I think that's represented in this room in and of itself as well. What but you the new show came out. <laughs> and uh, I'll tell you what, the response has been great. This comes to us from the folks over at Slash Film who write the following. Anchored by the performance of Anson Mount as Captain Christopher Pike and further buoyed by Ethan Peck's Spock and Rebecca Remains number one, Slash Film's own review by Whitney Seibold was positively glowing, lauding the series as the best Star Trek show in decades. That praise is translated into a relatively more tangible result as Strange New Worlds now boasts the best Rotten Tomatoes score of any of the dozen Star Trek shows to come into being through the franchise's 50-plus year history with a pristine 98% placing it ahead of the likes of Prodigy at 93%, Star Trek The Next Generation and Deep Space Nine at 91%, and Discovery and Picard at 86%. And once again, that comes to us from Slash Film. Now, it should be noted that a lot of these reviewers and things like that got the first five episodes of the series. I have only seen one. Me too. But I loved it. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I was actually kind of taken aback by how much I enjoyed it. Again, I don't think it's on the same level as Yellowstone or Succession, but I thought it was fantastic. And again, I have doubled down on this unmitigated love for Anson Mount. <laughs> I, just, I just think this dude carries it. He's very, very different than... You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me kind of like of Daniel Craig's Bond where, like, is he going to be one of the two main archetypes? Is he going to be the badass Sean Connery? Is he going to be the suave Roger Moore? And I started wondering, what's Anson Mount going to be? Is he going to be more the James T. Kirk kind of captain? Is he going to be more the Picard? And neither. He's created a third category. Like, he's a very distinct, unique captain in this. I loved it a lot. It had some really great overtures of the old original Star Trek, but still a very much a modern interpretation of it. So uh, I dug it a lot. I'm not surprised to hear this score. I'm going to save Rob for last here on this because I'm sure he's going to have some things <laughs> to say. But anyway, Chris, I want to go over to you. Are you surprised to see the response uh, the show is getting so far? And, and what have you thought? Well, full disclosure, I have not seen the show yet. So I know, Ray, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Ray. Um, but I, I, looked for, I look forward to watching it. All the trailers for this looked really, really great. I really love Ansem. I think he was great on Discovery. Um, so that is really, really cool. And I think that, you know, most people, I think, are open to new explorations in, within the Star Trek world. And I'm glad that this one is paying off well. Into strange new worlds. Yeah. Uh, have you or Tom, Aaron, had a chance to watch Strange New Worlds? Yes. You don't really strike me as a Star Trek house. Uh, no, we are a Star Wars house, and I yes. know the difference uh, now. Um, <clears throat> I, I will say, I actually auditioned for this uh, show way you back did? in the day. I auditioned for the nurse role, and I will say that a lovely actress by the name of Jess Bush got it. So I am the first person to be able to say congratulations. Um, she looks like she fits the role much better than I think I would have, but I got a chance to read some of the, they didn't send me the entire script for the first episode, but I got a chance to read the sides. And from what I read, it sounded great. I mean, a lot of times uh, material for um, it was great material. I will leave it at that. I, I won't say what sometimes material in this genre can be, but I was really impressed with the writing. And I also have to say, if you like Anson Mount in Strange New Worlds, have, did you ever watch Hell on Wheels? I've not. I've always had people oh tell me that God. I needed to watch that, but I've never seen him on that. Hell on Wheels is such an incredible show. It's about the building of the the 
the railroad in America, but the building of the railroad system. And it doesn't sound like something that a lot of people would be necessarily interested in, but I promise you the writing and the performances are so incredible. And that's what first introduced me to Anson Mount. And he is such a phenomenal actor. And as soon as I saw that he was going to be at the, you know, in the number one position on this show, I said, you know what? I know that this guy has a very high caliber for the projects that he chooses. Um, you don't see him in everything. He's very particular about the things that he chooses. But what he chooses, uh, he chooses really quality material. And from the little bit that I saw in the sides that I read for it like a year ago, I thought it was great material. So I'm looking, I'm actually looking forward to checking it out. I mean, remember, my first job was actually in Star Trek. Your first, your first TV mm -hmm. job was a Star Trek. Yes. It was Enterprise, right? It was Star Trek Enterprise's prostitute number one on the Carpenter Street episode. So I, <laughs> I think I may have to renew my love for Star Trek and go check it out. Looks good to me. You know, here I was a little bit late to the game in watching. the. I was a few days late watching the first episode. So Rob had a chance to see it before I did. And I knew this must be really good. Because when I asked Rob, what did you think about the first episode? He was like, it's all right. I'm like, mm. what? <laughs> So anyway, Rob, uh, you're, you're seeing the response that people are having to Star Trek and stuff like that. What do you think? It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> How much time you got? Um, look, <clears throat> one of the things that I liked about Star Trek growing up is it moved, it progressed, it moved forward. You went from the original series to the motion picture. Time passed. And in the original series, they set up Pike. So Star Trek had a, a history. The next generation took place 100 years later. Deep Space Nine and Voyager took place in that era. Enterprise went back and showed you sort of the beginnings of the Federation. It was all new. So for from 1966 to 2005, Star Trek moved forward, gave us new characters, new scenarios, gave us things we hadn't seen before. Modern Star Trek, beginning in 2009. Wait, are we getting a full dissertation on your feelings on modern Star Trek or your thoughts on this show? Well, my thoughts on the show now is I think that Star Trek has stopped moving forward. We're not getting... We're, uh, Pike has gone back. It's a, it's a prequel series to the original series. Discovery is a prequel series. Picard is a sequel series. What we have not seen is a full... And half the cast of Strange New Worlds was introduced in a, the original series. So... And they're missing a vital character that was in that episode with Pike when it, uh, the cage, the menagerie, uh, Dr. Boyce, who, and they had a great relationship. Nowhere to be found on the show. I am, am concerned as to, it's like the, why do we, why are we stuck in this era? And everybody's excited because they've recreated the format of the original series back from the 60s. As opposed to embracing, I like serialized storytelling. I think the strength of, Discovery and Picard were was its serialized nature. And now we we literally have gone back 55 years, 56 years, to a format and a storytelling vehicle that has not progressed further. Ooh, I, I all I can say is I don't know what you watched because I thought this was first of all, I I've I've heard a number of Star Trek, because we've got a lot of this in the Star Wars fandom too, believe you me, and I've been a part of this. I've heard so many fans of the original Star Trek complaining that they don't have enough of the original Star Trek in it, and then they have too much of the original Star Trek in it. I, I will tell you this. I thought this show in and of itself on its own merits, it was 
inventive. I thought it was a fresh take on, it was treading familiar ground, but in a fresh new way and gave us a different perception of things. I just thought the show in and of itself on its own merits was just really enjoyable. Well, it's for, okay. It's beautifully made and Anson Mount is great. He's great. This episode was a first contact story and Star Trek has done first contact, first contact stories throughout its, its run. And I would say that one of the great things that Star Trek does, it used to be allegorical. So if they wanted to make a point, they would make a point in a sort of a roundabout way and show it to you through an alien perspective. Like you'd, you'd roll up and like, in this case, this alien civilization is having a problem. They're going to destroy themselves. They've created a terrible weapon. But at the end of this episode, Anson Mount literally, Pike literally says, here's the problem with your civilization. And, and they show footage of the, January 6th insurrection that happened here in America last year. This is not allegory. This is, this is no, but it was poignant and it was, it was applicable, but, but, but you know what it is? It's also alienating to us, the viewership, because when you have allegory, because I'm part of the viewership, I didn't right, find it alienating but, but, at all. But the thing is when you have allegory, you can, it, the reason you do that is you through a science fiction context, you don't, piss off your audience who might be divided because of their political beliefs or whatever. The original Star Trek had no problem doing that. Well, the original, no problem doing that at but, all. But that was the, one of the great things about the original Star but Trek. But the original Star Trek did it in an allegorical way. Not really. Kirk kissing a horror was not allegorical. Well, but that was done specifically to push buttons. Yes, and they did. Yes, it, it was. But but the thing about that particular episode, Plato's stepchildren they're being mind controlled. By the way, can I just say I love the fact that you instantly know the name of the episode right off the top of your head. Yes. That's hardcore. <laughs> look, I that can, is hardcore. Well, I just think, look, look, when you when you do things like this, you know, there's an episode of Star Trek called The Private Little War, where they couldn't talk about Vietnam on 60s television. Right. So what they did was they have a planet where the Klingons are arming one side, the Federation decides, well, we have to step in and arm the other side. Otherwise, the 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 villagers are gonna wipe out the nice hill people. Right. And so McCoy and Kirk have this great debate about whether they should do this. And McCoy is like, if you arm this other side, you are condemning these people to decades of war. And Kirk is like, we have to, Doctor. Otherwise, they're going to they're gonna be slaughtered. And so they didn't address Vietnam directly. But you understood through the, what was happening on this planet that it was very similar to something that was going on on Earth. And viewers then could understand that and gave them something to think about rather than telling them what to think. Pike told the viewers in this episode what to think, and they used something that, that absolutely occurred on I, our- The only difference between the two scenarios is that one couldn't make a direct reference to the events they were talking about, and one was allowed to make a direct reference to the events. That was the only difference. But but, the, but it's just- Anyway, we, we, yeah. can't, we can't drag this into a 20-minute discussion sure. on new start result, but overall, I was surprised to hear you say, because I haven't yeah, heard I mean, you say you didn't dislike a new episode no, no, I, I in a while. I, look, I, I, there's a lot to like in this show. There's a lot to like in the show. After one episode, though, I, I, I just, again, it comes back to the writing. I think Star Trek has done first contact stories better than this episode did. And I also find it strange that, you know, Captain Pike has seen his own death because of Discovery. Right. And it's not actually, he didn't actually die. He was injured. But he hasn't seen what happened to him after that, where he goes back to Talos Four and he lives out his life in this life of illusion and something more could have happened. I think it's kind of odd because what is the thing about if you know your future, John, you would be able to change it. 
if you knew something tragic happened to you well that's that's the big sci-fi fantasy so question right because of the space-time continuum yeah if you and know you the future star can you change it that's a classic oh that's a classic i know but i would sci-fi big sci-fi boy over here lord all right listen we got to move on here we spend about way too much time on this topic anyway guys the question is for you Star Trek Strange New Worlds is now the number one critically rated Star Trek show of all time. Now, granted, though, all the other shows have got to get those ratings after full series runs. This one's after five episodes. But anyway, what do you guys think about that so far? Whatever your thoughts are, jump into the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. Okay, guys, with that down, let's move on to main topic number three. Chris, what is our third main topic today? Our third topic comes from Raylian. Don't judge me, but for a long time, uh, I'm now a weekly habit we've developed is stopping by the Red Box to grab a movie to take home and watch. I'm not welcome here from 1998. That's wonderful. <laughs> I know. We're old. <laughs> My newsfeed today showed me a story that I knew would be coming since whenever I went to the Red Box, there was never a line in front of me and never one behind me either. <laughs> Red Box just sold itself and they're saying they're turning exclusively into a streaming service. What do you think? And is this the last nail in physical media's coffin? All right. Thanks for saying that in, Raylene. And uh, yeah, look, the red box, I still remember the first time I saw a red box and just, I stopped for a second and go, this is genius. Like, this is absolute genius. Not having to go to the actual, in my case, Rogers video, because we were in Canada, and in many of your cases, Blockbuster or whatever, or whatever your local mom and pop video rental store was, I'd have to go there and walk through the aisles. There's a kiosk with a list of all the most popular movies, and I can just hit a few buttons and it spits it out like a Diet Coke? This is ridiculously, and it blew up. And it started to go all over the place, and red boxes started to proliferate, and uh, yeah, and I've got them. Listen, I went on the Redbox website the other night, uh, last night, and I searched for Redboxes in my immediate area. 13 of them in my immediate area. And there's certainly one in my main grocery store and all that kind of stuff. I've never seen anybody at it, but there's one right there in my main grocery store. But the times, they are a-changing. This comes to us from the folks over at Variety who write the following. Redbox Entertainment, the struggling DVD kiosk and streaming video company, has set a deal to be acquired by Chicken Soup for the Soul Entertainment in an all-stock transaction. The deal is valued at $375 million, which I already thought sounded low, comprising of about $50 million in Chicken Soup for the Soul uh, Entertainment stock and the new company's assumption of $325 million in debt. Redbox CEO Galen Smith commented, by joining forces, we will accelerate Redbox's transition from a physical to high-growth digital media company and be the only entertainment provider truly focused on value for the consumers. That, of course, comes to us again from Variety. So two interesting things here. Chicken Soup for the Soul, by the way, has gone about acquiring a lot of stuff. Like, I think, uh, uh, what's, what's the uh, anime one? Crunchyroll? Crunchyroll. I believe they bought Crunchyroll from they Sony. They bought Crunchyroll? I think they bought Crunchyroll from what? Sony. I could be wrong about that. I have Am to double I check. Am I junior high again? Redbox? Uh, Chicken soup for the soul? I, I think I they know. got maybe <laughs> like Crackle, or maybe I'm confusing uh, Crunchyroll and Crackle. But I anyway, but they bought, a, they, they've got, I went through a list and I saw, wow, they've actually acquired a lot of different stuff. They're trying to position themselves as a four- uh, runner of the AVOD or advertised based video on demand services that are commercial based and things like that. And Redbox is one of the things. So number one, 
there's that. But number two is that hearing from the CEO is like, yeah, we are transitioning away from being a physical media thing. We are now going to go whole hog. We're just going to go completely digital. And that is coming. And, you know, Rob, when we look at the history of physical media, if you will, Many people will point to the disappearance of Blockbuster and Rogers video and, and to, you know, whatever things like that. But there was still Redbox still there in almost every grocery store. There is still that one bastion of physical media that was still there. And now it is also going away. My question is, considering I didn't see a lot of people using it anyway, is it even a big deal that Redbox is going away or is it even symbolically a, a big deal? about the the status of physical media today how do you see this well i mean you know i'm always extolling the virtues of how much i love physical media but the reality is physical media has been dropping about 20 percent a year in terms of sales i i think that this is just one more indicator that an era is coming to an end um i still love physical media because as a home theater enthusiast the best way to get movies is like on a 4k disc the image is not as compressed as it is when you're getting streaming, and especially if you want high-end audio. It's still the best way. The problem is nobody wants to do it anymore. Right. You know, nobody right. wants to manufacture discs, and, and Redbox, you know, people say to me, Rob, isn't putting a disc in a machine so 20th century? Like, why do you want to do it? And, <laughs> I love and, these people. And, uh, I, I, I mean, and, and, but, the, but the thing is, the reason I love physical media is, is what's going to happen is eventually – even streamers have to look and go, well, no one's watching this obscure cult horror movie from 1984. Why do we have it on our service? And I think a lot of, and older movies, John, as much as I, I love older films, classic cinema, not a lot of people do. I mean, the fact is movies are a product of their era. You know, pop culture, I, I say it has a, a half-life of 20 years. Every 20 years back you go, people are less and less interested in older pop culture. That's just the nature of being a human being. You want to be part of something that's part of your age. Um, Discs are going away. And and Redbox was a disc, call it a retail rental service. No one wants to do that anymore. Why should you? And plus, it's not like Redbox is a place where you'd go to, say, like the Criterion Channel to find your favorite foreign right, film. Right. This was very much mainstream, big movies that people would rent that come out today. You know, Hollywood blockbusters. Nobody cares anymore. I mean, nobody you'll wait and get it on streaming. There's so much to watch now. People get around to it when they get around to it. But I do think this is just yet another indicator that the era is coming to an end. And plus, John, who's going to make players anymore? I actually went in and tried to buy a new high-end 4K disc player. There aren't many. Yeah. And, and Ever since like, Samsung got out of the, the physical media. Absolutely. Business, I mean, yeah. I joke about your PlayStation 5. But because of PlayStation and Xbox, including disc players in their machines, they've probably lengthened the lifespan of discs by a decade. So there's still boutique companies that are making, like whether it's uh, Kino Lorber or whether it's like Second Sight in the UK, that are putting out these beautiful editions with new special features. But that is, that's a niche. And every year it gets smaller and smaller. Aaron, I want to ask you, when is the last, I'm going to actually, I can ask this of all of us, but I want to start with, start with Aaron here. What is the last DVD you rented? Oh my God. Oh. Uh, <laughs> the, the last one that comes to mind that I actually rented, I think was um, when I binged 24 
And this was when I would, when Blockbuster was doing this really cool thing where you could like rent uh, for, I don't know what they were doing, like you could rent like four things at a time or something like that. Right. And so I would basically binge uh, the first, and, and one full season wasn't even on a full DVD. Like it was only like half the season on right. one DVD because they didn't have the capacity to have a full season of 24 on one DVD. So you had to have like four different DVDs yeah. for one season. So I would, and, and that was, I mean, God, that was like, 2008 I want to say it was that long ago you know and, and, and even still you know as Chris knows she was on the SAG nominating committee this year we get every year uh, members of SAG members of the DGA the W all of the different unions we get these screeners for awards consideration and um, SAG after sent out an email this year saying hey we've gotten a lot of pushback on you know the waste and people not using the physical DVDs we are now going to opt into a streaming only but disc on request you know if you are one of those people that really wants to watch it on a disc we will send one to you but for the vast majority of our 750,000 membership or whatever it is we're just going to rely on streaming. And I think that this is also not just an indication of what we see for physical media, because it, it, let's face it. And I think that, Rob, I, I, I think you would agree with me on this. Physical media really is about it, it's for collectors. It's not just about watching the movie. It's about the actual act of collecting. I mean, if you think about stamp collecting and what a fervor that has. I mean, I used to be a stamp collector when I was younger. And, you know, there is something magical about finding that stamp that, you know, fulfills whatever, whatever it is that you're, whatever it is that you're a collector of. I think that physical media is part of that versus just being able to watch it. And I think also, if you look at the way that families view media, you know, they're talking about how it was a family thing for them to go to the red box and rent this, you know, rent something, and then they would all watch it together. I mean, do teenagers actually sit with their parents and watch a movie anymore? I mean, when I was growing up, that's what we did. But then again, there were only three channels. I grew up in clearly in the 1950s. And so I just feel like <laughs> You're these a time days, traveler. Yeah, like families just aren't sitting around. You know, everybody's got a home entertainment center in their hand. You know, even your 12-year-old kid does. So what family is going to their local Redbox, renting a movie and sitting down and watching it together? I think that it's also just a symptom of our times and the way that families view movies. They're, you know, people are just not renting things anymore. I mean, Rob, would you agree that it's about, uh, that part oh. of it is about collecting and that's never going to go away? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, the people that I know that collect physical media, we're all collecting these beautiful special editions that these companies are putting out or you're getting the best, the 4K version of the film. That's what you want is you want the highest resolution, best quality copy of the film. That ultimately is what drives you. But as streaming gets better, and more streamers are providing 4K options. I mean, I hate to say it, but like Disney, when they went with their IMAX enhanced versions of the Marvel films, they didn't release those on disc. And right. I really like the IMAX enhanced versions of Warner Brothers does, like Christopher Nolan does with the aspect ratio changes. But those discs, those versions on Disney, I have to say, I don't watch, I have all the Marvel movies on disc in 4K. I don't watch the IMAX enhanced versions anymore. 
I mean, I don't watch my discs anymore right. because I watch the IMAX because they're cooler. You know, the the uh, they look better. You know, Infinity War and Endgame. When you see the IMAX enhanced versions, Thanos, you can see all of Thanos. And so they're making it. And Disney's, I can't justify buying Disney discs anymore because they're not as good as they should be. And they're coming up with more and more better compression for these things as mm -hmm. well. Anyway, Ray, I'm just yeah. curious, what was the last movie you rented or whatever? I'm going to tell you what happened. Um, I think it was 2019. I went to Redbox because they actually rent out games too. I think oh, I didn't like know a, that. Yeah, it was oh. like an NBA 2K that I was on the fence about buying. I went to go rent it. I go home. I open it up. It's a paper of the disc with the barcode. Someone had copied it, cut it out, put it. And I guess the machine doesn't take weight into account. So it just scans the barcode and says it's checked in. So it was no game in there. It was just a piece of paper. And then I was like. I'm gonna have all the games in the world now. <laughs> I actually called. I actually called, and I I was like, "Is this normal?" And the guy on the phone tells me, "Yeah, it's it happens all the time." And I was like, "How do you guys make money? Like, how do you trace this back?" This, I mean, it's, it, you could be like, "Oh, it was obviously the last person who rented it, right?" Yeah. But you can't accuse. Pe I don't. It was just a whole thing that like boggled my mind that someone actually thought of this, or the machine doesn't have that much. Security, especially for $60, $60 games, you would think there would be more of a, 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 a check thing going on. But that's what yeah. people were doing. So I imagine really if they put barcodes on the DVDs and Blu-rays as well, people were taking those too. I don't you, know. You know, it's funny you mentioned 24. Mm. That was the last thing I ever rented too. Really? I, I had just moved to LA. I was I was living on Sunset, the first place I lived in With LA. With the big bean bag. With the big bean bag chair. Bales. You remember that. Uh, and, I don't think I'll ever forget that. Guys, it's the biggest bean John bag had ever. this bean bag that literally, if you have, if you imagine a breakfast nook, it take it would took take up the entire size of a breakfast nook. Like I don't even know how people would get on that bean bag. Four it was people just like could you, fit on it. We called it the party sack. But wow. I, <laughs> that was just a good name for it. I have so <laughs> many things, but we have sponsors. So many things to say, but we have sponsors. But I mean, I, I remember it was my I think my second or third month living in L.A. There was a blockbuster up the street on Sunset Boulevard. And I had never seen 24 and the whole series, uh, and that was the last thing I ever rented. Chris, what's the last thing you and Logan, or have you ever no, no. even I've in never, your marriage ever rented I've something? I've never rented physical media with Logan Pete's. That's, that's <laughs> bananas. Um, I think the last movie I rented was probably like, probably something Cary Grant, like an affair to remember or something like mm. that. Um, I haven't seen a red box since they took it out of the 7-Eleven in Valley Village. Like, that's just where you would be like, oh, that's where you can go get crack. All right. Not movies. Just, that's where I could go get drugs if I wanted to, I guess. That's where you go get crack. I just, I, the, this whole story, and, and I'm so sorry to you. You even wrote in like, I'm old. No, you're not. This is just how you were consuming media. But like, I haven't thought about Redbox in years. And so reading the story was like oh my god there's still red boxes that's still a thing lots of them too and but I mean, they're losing money like yeah crazy. and it sounds like they've been losing money for a long time which is the the scheme that ray's been running look look look, look. i don't mean to start like giving people ideas I mean, if, if <laughs> well, you are stealing good, games like that or anything i think that's the last thing you should be worrying about you should be like trying to get something better coming up action. next on the john campy show ray aura tells you how to fake your blood alcohol level when the police pulls you over uh, logan logan says the last thing we rented was thief for the ps3 
Also, again, I was not part of that. <laughs> I was about to say printing scanners just went up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Question is for you. Redbox has been sold at a massive loss and announced they're going to be transitioning out of physical altogether into the streaming world. What does that mean for you? Like symbolically, literally, whatever. Whatever you guys thoughts are, jump down to the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. Okay, guys. Before we move on to our next topic, we want to thank another sponsor of the John Caper Show here today, the great folks over at Liquid IV. We want to take a minute and thank the sponsors of this video, Liquid IV. Now listen, just one stick of Liquid IV added to 16 ounces of water will hydrate you faster and more efficiently than just water alone. It contains five essential vitamins like B3, B5, B6, B12, and of course vitamin C with three times the electrolytes as traditional sports drinks. And what makes Liquid IV so effective is the science of cellular transport technology or CTT. You see, it's designed to enhance rapid absorption of water and other key ingredients into your bloodstream faster and more efficiently. You know, Ann and I get up pretty early in the morning to go to the gym because we can't go to the gym at any other time during the day. And for the last couple of weeks, I have been drinking one full glass of water with liquid IV. And all I can tell you is you can feel the difference during the workout. So go and grab liquid IV in bulk nationwide at Costco, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code Campia at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use the promo code Campia, that's C-A-M-P-E-A, at liquidiv.com. Experience better hydration today when you go to liquidiv.com. And remember, use the promo code at checkout, Campia. And thank you to the good folks at Liquid IV for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. Once again, check out their link down in the description below. Okay, guys, with that down, let's get on to main topic number four. Chris, what is our fourth main topic today? This is from Rajat. Hey, John, really like your shows. Thank you, Rajat. I'm very excited for Thor Love and Thunder. And one of the main reasons for that is because of gore. I know you're excited as well to see Christian Bale in the role. Well, to boost our expectations, Taika Waititi recently in an interview said, in my humble opinion, we have probably the best villain that Marvel's ever had in Christian Bale. Those big words. Oh, boy. <laughs> what are your thoughts on this? And bring on the filthy. All right. Thanks a lot for saying that in. Look, we, we have been talking about this for a bit. When the trailer for Thor Love and Thunder finally dropped, we had not yet seen Doctor Strange and was very excited for Doctor Strange. But I said, I am officially more excited for the Thor movie than I am for Doctor Strange. Like, still excited about it. Very stoked to see it. I enjoyed the film. Did. But there was just something about that trailer that just... Look, what Taika Waititi has turned and how he has evolved the Thor character. Because I love the first Kenneth Branagh Thor. Love mm -hmm. it. I, yeah. think it's, I think it is the second most underrated comic book film ever made. I love that thing. But I have also loved seeing Thor evolve and change to the point where after doing Thor Ragnarok, Chris, Chris Hemsworth says, I'm in love with playing the character again. Mm. I love playing the character again, which is great. Taika Waititi, of that course, went on to win an Academy Award, all that kind of stuff. Now he's coming in, doing Thor Love and Thunder, and something about it just felt so great and so wonderful. And then, of course, we all got super excited. We found out that Christian Bale, who said he was never going to do a comic book movie again, was announced that he was going to be the villain Gore the God Butcher in Thor Love and Thunder. That got us all excited. And now, listed under, oh, look, filmmakers saying something good about their film. Shocking. Still, Taika Waititi is making some pretty big claims 
when he said the following. This comes from the folks over at MovieWeb who report saying this. Aside from uh, calling Thor Love and Thunder fantastic and cooler than he expected, Taika Waititi has further hyped the sequel by heaping praise on the villainous debut of Academy Award winner Christian Bale. It's a really, sorry, it's a great, really fun, weird little group of heroes, a new team for Thor with Korg, Valkyrie and the Mighty Thor, which he said recently. And in my humble opinion, we have probably the best villain that Marvel's ever had in Christian Bale. Going to read that last part again. And in my humble opinion, we have probably the best villain that Marvel has ever had in Christian Bale. All right, look, Marvel with all the stuff it does well, has never been known as being particularly and uniquely strong in their villains. There are a few key exceptions, though. Obviously, Loki, super popular. Everybody loves Loki. Obviously, uh, Killmonger. People loved Killmonger. Obviously, Thanos. Mm -hmm. Thanos, incredible. Obviously, the Spider-Man villains that we just got in No Way Home and, and things like that. So... Yeah, they haven't been particularly known for being great with their villains, but they have had some absolute standouts, particularly Thanos. For Taika Waititi, I think to come out and say, look, oh, Christian Bale's great. We expect that. Uh, you know, we think the audiences are really respond to gore. We expect that. For Taika Waititi to come out and say, hey, listen, in my opinion, we've got some good villains. This is the best villains Marvel's ever had. That is saying a lot when a lot of us are still remembering Josh Brolin as Thanos, right? So to me, I cannot help but get ludicrously hyped for this. I mean, probably more hype than I should be, probably more hype than is healthy. But I myself am getting ridiculously excited for this. Like you remember, Rob, we were we were doing a show when they announced that Christian Bale was going to be in this thing. And I'm like, what the Christian Bale, who said he'd never do a comic book film again. He's back in this. You got an Academy Award winner playing this. What are they going to do? And it's the story of Gore the God Butcher. And so, I, yeah, listen, hearing this sends off fire. Says again, I get it. Water wet. Director says something about their movie. But there's something a little bit different with coming out and actually saying in the cinematic universe that he inhabits with a whole lot of other storytellers and directors saying, yeah, this is the best villain that's ever been done in the cinematic universe. Rob, you hear this? What do you make of it? Well, I had a friend that was working for Warner Brothers when The Dark Knight was being filmed. And he was not one to give in to hyperbole. And he was telling me, he's like, you are not going to believe Heath Ledger is the Joker. You're just not going to believe what, what he's doing. And I'm like, come on. Now, how good can it be? Well, and he was, you know, he was a jaded industry vet. So when Taika Waititi, like, you never know when an actor, you hope an actor is going to inhabit a role. I'm sure that Taika Waititi's like, okay, we're going to hire Christian Bale. He's an Academy Award winning actor, but what's he going to do? And when you have people, he's not, you can tell he's not just, I mean, he directed the movie. So he could sit there and go, well, you know, I, it's through my direction that Christian Bale was. He's not doing that. He's saying, and and you and I have seen pictures. Oh, we yeah, we got yeah. we have footage of gore. We have we have awesome. it that we are not sharing with people because <laughs> no. I got in trouble for that before. And oh my god, when you guys see Christian Bale as yeah. Thor, as gore, uh, oh my god. I mean, that's the thing. I am sure that what we're gonna get, and there's a reason they didn't show him the first teaser. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. I mean, I think that when when we they're gonna when you see what he does, and we don't we haven't seen like him in action, but I think it's gonna be 
spectacular. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's going to be something really special. I mean, they've given us the fun love and thunder. He's throwing his cloak off into Star Star Lord's face, and but I think when we see Gore the God Butcher, it's going to. I think it's going to be terrifying, mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah, and because what we saw was straight up. Freaky. Yeah, yeah, it was it freaky. Is, it's, it's a thing out of nightmares. Gore is something right out of nightmares. Yeah, yeah and I, I think it's going to be dope, and I can't wait, and I don't think this is hyperbole. Um, I'm all for it, man. I can't wait. Chris, uh, showed you. Yeah. Uh, you've seen that, but you, you hear Taika Waititi coming out <laughs> and saying, hey, this is the best villain Marvel's ever done. I mean, he's not directly mm-hmm. saying it, but in a way he is. He's saying this is better is. than Killmonger. This yeah. is better than Loki. This mm-hmm. is better than Thanos. I, I don't know. You hear this. What's your reaction to it? I mean, it feels very breaking news. Director likes his actor. Yeah. More at 11. And <laughs> that doesn't do much for me, if I'm being honest. That being said, there are not many other actors I would want to be playing Gore the God Butcher. I can't wait to hear Christian Bale say, I have slain my way through multitudes to stand here at the genesis of all things. Like, (laughs) that's straight up Shakespearean. So good. So I do. I do believe the hype. It is just one of those things of like, oh, of course, Taika thinks he did a great job. That's a, That'd be like if we were all after, after the show, if you were like, man, the show's great, but Rob really lets us down. You know, like we're all going to talk about how great oh. everyone on the show is. You're perfect. Never Thanks, change, man. baby. But, you know, I, I think you always you say nice stuff in the moment. And when you're pitching your movie too, right, when you're promoting it, no one's going to come out the gate and be like, man. I really loved making this film, but if Christian Bale is just dead weight the but, whole time. But you never, <laughs> like, even with Taika, you never heard him say when he was doing Thor Ragnarok. You never heard him say, Chris Hemsworth is the greatest hero in the Marvel Cinematic oh, Universe. that's fair. When he did Jojo Rabbit, he never said, Scarlett Johansson gives the greatest performance in the history of cinema or anything like that. And, and that's where it goes to a little bit of a different level with what he's saying here. You know, he was, I, I read like a that. bit of his interview that was in Empire Magazine, mm-hmm. and there was an, a bit of surprise on his part. He's like, I'm actually surprised. Like, I thought I was doing this one, this movie, but it turned out better, like, than I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there was an, he was, you could tell he was being genuine. That, and that happens. Like, we were saying yesterday, I was saying there's a bit of alchemy, you know, rumple stiltskin. Yeah. <laughs> so, what was the actual quote again that Taika said? Was he talking about Christian Bale or did he say we have. Well, here's about- the direct quote, but then there's another one like it. So the direct quote was, and in my humble opinion, we have probably the best villain that Marvel has ever had in Christian Bale. Now, in another interview, he kind of repeats the same thing, but he mentions gore. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's so, it, it's, sounds like he's talking about the manifestation of the character brought forth by Christian Bale. That's what it sounds yeah. like at any yeah. rate. That right. is his performance. And, and that's the thing is, I think that there's two things going on here. Number one, yes, he's praising the actor's performance, but he's also specifically talking about the, the villainous aspect of this performance. Yeah. And that's something that I'm really leaning into because, yes, I saw the photo. I've had nightmares ever, like every night ever since about it. It is absolutely terrifying. Um, and, but to also go back to Christian Bale saying, I'm never going to play, you know, do another superhero movie. What was it about this particular role? What was it about this particular project and specifically working with Taika Waititi that convinced Christian Bale to come back to do this? You also have to think about that and go, okay, clearly something drew Christian. I mean, it's not like Christian Bale is hurting for jobs. The yeah. mountain, I mean, there is not a single director on the planet. I imagine who would not be, would, would not jump at the chance to work with Christian Bale in their project. And he has his pick of anything. He does not have to do this. 
So for him to choose to do this um, and also without going into any spoilers, if you know the comic book and you know what the character looks like, you know that there's probably going to be a certain amount of prosthesis required to look like this character for an actor to also know what goes into the physical labor of having to work with a prosthesis. You know, this is not going to be a walk in the park for Christian Bale. He's not just going to come in, you know, on a Friday, shoot a couple scenes and be done. This is a very, this is a commitment. And so um, I, I think that what I'm seeing from this and also just knowing about like the character itself and how his sword has was made by the same guy who did created the symbiotes in Venom. And that's really freaky and scary and how his cloak can kill Asgardians. I mean, there's so many aspects, not just of, I know Chris is over there. You're so proud of me, aren't you? I, I'm just like, <laughs> he's really in love with you right now. I'm like, yeah, I know, right? Like, my, my sister's proud of me. You know, but like actually thinking about the character itself and the connection that that character has to the Spider-Man, you know, world mm -hmm. and um, what we already know, these symbiotes are so insidious as they are, combining that with just this nightmarish, ghoulish look that he has, plus the incredible talent that Christian Bale and commitment that he brings to every single character with Taika Waititi wrapping it up in his beautiful directorial way. I'm really really excited about this guys the question is for you taika watiti is saying that this is the greatest villain that has ever been in the mcu what are you guys thoughts where's your anticipation level right now for thor love and thunder whatever you guys think jump down to the comment section below and leave your thoughts there all right guys with that down let's get into our fifth and final main topic here today chris what is our fifth and final main topic today final topic is coming from daniel hogan Wonderful Wednesday, John Campia crew. A few weeks ago, you talked about how the teaser for Thor Love and Thunder became one of the most viewed trailers of all time, even bigger than the Doctor Strange 2 trailer. Now that we've seen how big Doctor Strange 2 opened at the box office, does Thor 4 have any chance to do better? What are the pros and cons working for and against such a possibility? Thanks for taking my question. All right. Thanks a lot for saying that. And we're obviously, we we're just talking about, you know, Thor Love and Thunder and, and the anticipation of it and all that kind of stuff. And Christian Bale and the hype that maybe he's the best villain ever. But we'll have to wait and see when this thing actually comes out. But a really good question, though, is like, how big can this open? And that's that's a good question. Ray, can you look up for me the opening weekend numbers? How much did Thor Ragnarok open to? Because that's going to be interesting to look at. Because I Thor was not, the first Thor was not the, the biggest gangbusters. I mean, it was very respectable for the era in which it came out. 100. Thor. 22 million 122 oh. thor ragnarok yeah. and that movie is ridiculously entertaining and mm -hmm. fun and people loved it were very entertained by it 122 can it make that plus another 40 no that plus another 60 mm -hmm. to catch what dr strange did i don't know i, I honestly i don't know and i'll say right now i don't expect that it will 266 million baby ray is going with 266 Free went on on to the hot toy wonders for Doctor Strange. Ah. Ray's going with 266. I right now, look, we're gonna have to gauge what happens once the real full main trailer comes out and we get our first look at gore and we're gonna hear people's response to it, and then we can start to get an idea. Right now, my guess is probably not, although it does have something going in its favor. And one of the things it's got going in its favor is I think this movie is just gonna look more fun 
than Doctor Strange did. Mm -hmm. You know, Doctor Strange was not a family-friendly movie mm. by by any stretch. It certainly started out kind of family-friendly like in a kids. way. Yeah, unless you don't like your kids. It's great. You know what? I feel like traumatizing my children today. I don't like mine. Should I bring them to the theater? This is a movie that you should bring your kids to. Um, so uh, while I'm saying I am more excited, more hyped, more looking forward to and more anticipating Thor Love and Thunder for several different reasons, for what all the things we talked about, I am not actually expecting it to do as well of an opening. It's going to be It's going to be bigger than Thor Ragnarok. It's going to be an amazing opening weekend. But I don't know if I see it cracking like 190. I don't know, Chris. We're we're now we're in the post Doctor Strange two era. Now mm -hmm. we're heading towards Thor: Love and Thunder at a breakneck speed because it's coming out in less than two months now. I guess. I don't know. Do you think this is going to muster enough interest from the general audience to actually outdo the opening weekend of Doctor Strange two? I do. Really, I really do because my friends who are casual Marvel viewers love Thor: Ragnarok. Right. They were obsessed with that film. And I know they're really, really hyped about this. This has a lot of things going for it, too. It's got Taika Waititi. Apparently has the best Marvel villain ever, according to Taika. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. Uh, I think it's going to be a wildly fun film with, we've talked about this, you know, the character development in this film is going to be so great. The exploration of all the dynamics that have shifted in Thor's life are going to be really, really interesting. It's going to have a bitchin' soundtrack. It's going to look will. really, really cool. If you're a Guardians fan, you're going to want to see this film, too. If they don't have... Huey Lewis playing to a gore moment. What are we even doing here? Oh my God. You gotta, That's a deep cut. That would be a deep that. cut for American Psycho fans. Oh, I feel like Taika might. He's, he's crazy enough to do it, but I think it's going to do really, really well. Aaron, yeah, what do you think? You like Obviously, I know Tom is big into these types of movies too. Do you think that a Thor Love and Thunder has a chance of outdoing the, what was it, 186 million mm -hmm. that Doctor Strange 2? Or do you think it'll come in somewhere under that? Where are you reading? I think absolutely it's going to do more than Doctor Strange. Really? Like, not even a question. Um, and, and, and the only reason why I say that is because, well, there's a couple reasons. Number one, um, I think that the just the character of Thor, now let's all... Let's all just take a breath outside of the world of comic book movies. I think that the general audience who is not as familiar with all of the characters has more of an inclination to go see Thor than they do Doctor Strange. Thor has been in a lot more movies in a much more recognizable way. He's also fun. He's affable. He's funny. He's Chris Hemsworth. He's, you know, he's easy to look at. And even in the trailers, he's poking fun with Chris Pratt's character. And we all know him, you know, because he's the guy, he was the guy on TV. And I just think that outside of the world of comic book fans, Thor is something that people go, oh, yeah, okay, I'd, I'd like to go see that. Yeah, I think that that's more on my radar. Now, obviously, within the world of comic book fans, it's a whole other, you know, conversation that has many, many layers. But I think that for the general movie-going audience, Thor is a little bit more inviting and a little bit more palatable. That may all change when we start seeing gore in the trailers, and then everybody might go, uh, no, thank you. I am terrified. I will never go <laughs> see that. Thank you very much. Um but I do think that on initial, my, my initial impulse is that it's just a little bit more inviting and palatable for the non- uh, 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 Hardcore comic Hardcore fan. fans. But the second thing is I was just looking up what movies are coming out the weekend of July 8th, 2022. Now, this may change, but it's coming up pretty quick. So if another huge movie is going to blow in that weekend, we would know about it pretty soon. And right now, this is what's opening that weekend. Thor Love and Thunder, 
uh, The Sea Beast. I don't know what that is. Moon 66. I don't know what that is. And both sides of the blade. Moon 66 is going to be Ray's new favorite movie. That I heard Moon. I'm looking it <laughs> yeah. up right now. <laughs> I'm looking it up right now. Right. So um, I do not. And something called Dreaming Walls Inside the Chelsea Hotel, which sounds pretty cool. Like it's about Janis Joplin. I, I bet most of those aren't even wide release films. Exactly. So um, right now, given the fact that Thor Love and Thunder is really the only big movie that's coming out that weekend. If you are someone who's an avid film goer and you go and see, if you go to the movies once a weekend um, or even once a month, you know, it's right after July 4th weekend. People are not going to necessarily be entertaining family anymore. They might want to go see something, you know, in the theaters. I I really feel like this is going to do well. And I think it's going to do better than Dr. Strange opening weekend. I really do. Rob, what do you think? I have to agree with my esteemed colleague over here. I think Thank she you. gave a pretty a pretty great assessment of, I think Thor has a much wider appeal, at least this particular movie compared to Doctor Strange, this Doctor Strange movie, in the sense that we all were fanatical about it because what are the cameos going to be? We want to see the Illuminati. So the Doctor Strange really appealed to the hardcore geek crowd. I think, as you put it, this has an immediate larger female audience want to see because of chris hemsworth i think families are going to be more drawn to it because you've got not just thor but the guardians of the galaxy and that's a little bit more family friendly even though they make certain off-color jokes sometimes i i think that it's going to have more of a wider audience appeal just like what you'd said i mean how can you not want to go see this look at his smile like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. he's happy to be here and i and i i think that it probably can has it and, and you pointed out too that thor's been around longer you know has more of a fan base and the last movie was a lot of fun but it depends what this next trailer maybe gore the god butcher will be too scared or too scary too so scary kids, yeah. so kids won't mm-hmm. go see it but i i tend to think not i think this i'm hoping for a flamboyant performance from christian bale that is deliciously fun the same way that heath ledger was terrifying but he was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're planners, you know, planning. I, I, I just, I think this movie's going to be huge. I think it's going to be the biggest of all the Marvel releases uh, outside of No Way Home because that was Sony. But in terms of Marvel's releases of Phase Four, I think Love and Thunder is going to be the biggest movie of Phase Four. Are you going to get a Troubadour six scale figure? Uh, well, I can, I have many Thor six scale figures. Why are you going to get this one where it's Troubadour Thor, the Troubadour? Oh, the tr- the, tr- the Troubadour Thor, the Troubadour Thor. Yes, yes. You know the other thing I'll say this that has going for it as well, maybe outdoing Doctor Strange, is the title of Doctor Strange: Multiverse of Madness. Mm. That's pro. Well, to some comic geeks, that's super exciting. I think to a lot of average moviegoers, maybe that's off putting. Right. Like, as maybe my turn- mother put it, um, I will. I will babysit for you if you don't make me go see whatever that movie is. When I said, Mom, do you want to go see Doctor Strange 2, The Multiverse of Madness? John got us all tickets. I will happily babysit your child if you don't make me go see whatever that is. That's very telling. Now, if you tell you, you're going to say your mom, come see Love and Thunder. Oh, yeah. She'll be like, oh, that sounds fun. Is that a Chippendales review? But I will still, (laughs) I still think Thor does not make as much. Again, Thor Ragnarok, what would we say there, Ray? 122? Uh, 122 million. 122 million. We are talking okay. about it needing to increase 50% from that box office number to that. And I just don't know if it'll do it. But I'll tell you what, 
Another trailer, Sweet Child of Mine might do it. Anyway, by the way, guys, I put up a poll in the live chat to see what you guys think about that. And I asked the question, will Thor 4 make more opening weekend than Doctor Strange 2? 76% of you are saying yes. With about 1,000 votes, 76% of you are saying yes. 24% of you are saying no. We will see as we get closer to the actual release date. Question is for you guys, what do you think is going to happen here? Do you think Thor... Love and Thunder can make more than the 186 million opening weekend that Doctor Strange did. Everybody in the room thinks so, except me. What do you guys think? Jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. And okay, guys, we've come to the end of the main topic. So I have just opened up the Super Chat. So if you want to fire in a Super Chat, you can do that now. And before we start addressing those Super Chats you guys send in, let's hear from another sponsor of today's video, our friends over at Harry's. Hey, guys, we want to take a second and thank the sponsor of this video, Harry's. Now, take a look at me. When is the last time you saw me have this close and smooth of a shave? The answer is never because I haven't been using the Harry's starter set until now. Using Harry's, I have gotten the most comfortable, smoothest shave that I've had in years, and that's no exaggeration. And right now, Harry's is giving their best offer to our viewers and listeners. First-time Harry's customers can redeem a starter set for just $3 at harrys.com slash campia. That includes a five-blade cartridge, a weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover to protect your blades on the go. That's a $13 value, all for just $3. Seriously, guys, why pay so much more for other products when Harry's prioritizes simple, quality craftsmanship at a fair price? And it is time to move on from blades that barely hold up because with Harry's, guys who've tried it say that their eighth shave is just as sharp as their first. And you're going to have a really hard time finding other competitors that have a satisfaction rating as high as Harry's. And they're still offering a no-risk trial. You don't like your shave? No problem. It's on them. New look, same incredible offer. There's really never been a better time to give Harry's a try. Just go to harrys.com slash campia today and get your starter set for just $3. That's harrys.com slash campia. And thank you to our friends at Harry's for taking care of my skin and for being a sponsor of the John Campia Show channel. All right, guys. With all that down, let's now get over and start taking your live comments and questions that you guys have been throwing in there. So, Chris, what do we have going on in there right now? Okay. Zelda Master 702, uh, Ostracized Child, Richard Cuts, all sending in support. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you guys for sending in Super Chat Badge to be supportive. Thank you, guys. From By the way, I'll just let you guys know, uh, we're almost filled up already, so we're going to leave the Super Chats open for about another 30 seconds, and then we got to shut it down, just so you know. You got 30 more seconds. Okay, let's keep going. From Andy, one of two. Hi, guys. I enjoyed watching Chris and John react to the Revengers yesterday. <laughs> I listened to you, you guys while working in a quiet lab setting. And yesterday. All right, we'll just have to get to it when we get to it. I was doing everything I could to keep myself from laughing my fucking ass off like a lunatic in front of everyone at work. I agree, John. Fuck Riverdale. That I just can't. I, what started off with a show with such promise turned so bad so quick. But I got to say, man, that. Revengers. That was such a R I V E R Revengers. Th that was probably the line of the comment it section killed yesterday. Me. I laid down on the desk. I was done. <laughs> that was really good. All right. What's next? From Ben Rayner. Thor also has the power duo of Korg and Meek. They earn all the money, not most of the money, but all the money. Listen, I cannot believe how much I fell in love with Korg. Like, you know, when Korg them. totally got me. First of all, it's great hearing Taika Waititi's voice. Mm -hmm. Korg, piss off ghost is like one of the best lines in MCU history. 
uh, coming from Korg and or, or or his little soliloquy about how, you know, Asgard can be rebuilt and then it just all of a sudden explodes. I have not seen Meek. Meek's in there. Wearing Is a he? Suit. She, uh, Meek's a lady. I didn't know that. Yeah. I, but I have I have not noticed Meek myself in there. But okay, interesting enough. By the uh, way, I just want to throw it here. Uh, one of our producer level members of the channel, uh, NerdGen, wrote in and said, Hello, guys. Big fan. Thank you so much. Uh, question for Rob. Uh, we may see Blade in the 1920s. Uh, you think we may see that? In the 1920s? Maybe. I, I mean, don't think so. I, I don't know. I'm just curious how they're going to delve right into the supernatural. We could. I mean, is Blade, has he been around that long? I don't know. All right, by the way, uh, uh, Hentier, uh, one of our director-level members, writes in, what are your thoughts on a possible Secret Wars movie in the coming years? Uh, this might be the solution to the multiverse issue you keep bringing up. Plus, it might actually give the multiverse a good arc. There is no good arc for the multiverse, in my opinion. But they're already working on Secret Wars, are they not? Uh, they're working on Secret Invasion. They're working on Secret Invasion, yeah. right, which, which may lead into a Secret Wars. But by the way, just want to remind everybody, just because it's called Secret Invasion and just because they do something later called Secret Wars, don't assume that it's going to be just like it is in the comic books. I mean, all you got to do is see Civil War, uh, Days of Future Past, Age what, of Ultron, Age of Ultron, to know that they will take great liberties and make it very, very different while keeping some themes. But that is mm -hmm. a possibility. All right. What's next in the live chat? Oh, but Ben also just wants to say that Thor is going to make more than Doctor Strange 2 opening weekend. Uh, I mean, I, I think, look, 76% of the people mm -hmm. said they assumed that. So we'll find out. All right. What's next? From Sam Fisher, one of two. I watched Strange New Worlds. Really enjoyed it. Disagree with Rob, though. Only Pike used colloquial language from the 20th century. All right. right, we're Let's just go back. We're just, Guys, just so you know, if you send in multiple part things, we're just going to have to get to them as we get to them, mm -hmm. unfortunately. Um, I, I mean, obviously, I agree with you, but hey, there's that. All right. What's next? From Kara Black, do you believe we will see Bryce Dallas Howard direct both a Star Wars film and a Marvel film within the next five years? Possibly. I mean, she's kind of a darling right now. Like you guys heard us talk about, I believe she should be handed a Star Wars movie. I, I really, really do. Um, she's really coming into her own. I love what she's done with Mandalorian and her episode on Book of Boba Fett. I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was the best episode of Book of Boba Fett. Um, so uh, I, I'm going to keep my fingers crossed. I hope so. I love her. All right. What's next? From Suthius, it's official. Charlize Theron took to Twitter with a portrait stating, meet Clea. I love that the MCU now has Charlize effing Theron. Yes, oh God, yes. Yeah, um, without going into any details, I think a lot of people heard that she was going to be in there. So I'm not going to say anything. I just really don't think they did a good job of introducing her. I just thought that was really badly done. Oh, but I love her. She's awesome, of course. All right, what's next? From Elizabeth Rado, I 100% believe that Thor 4 will make more money than Doctor Strange 2. Mm -hmm. I saw Ragnarok three times in the cinema. And as of right now, I don't feel like rewatching Doctor Strange 2. <gasps> Taika makes films that are rewatchable. <laughs> Absolutely. But rewatching has nothing to do with it. That, that's the catch, right? We're talking about opening weekend. Will the marketing be enough to get people flooding into the audiences? Now, of course, we've only seen the first teaser. But you're thinking, I mean, you, you mentioned this, Robin. I think you're right. It's all going to come down to how does Gore come across when we see him in a trailer? And is that going to excite people? You think it will? I think it will. I think it will. I think it's going to be crazy and people are going to be like, wow, did you see what Christian Bale did? I don't think it's going to be off-putting. Like, you know, I'm sure when you're a parent, when you see Doctor Strange's face block out, yeah. you know, he's going, Wah! which I loved. It's not like you're going to take your six-year-old to see that. 
Really? Like we see zombie Doctor Strange and all these dark demons flying around him in the trailer? Uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> I mean, call me crazy, but Thor, I mean, the Thor trailer already looks fun. I mean, it looks like you could take your kids to that. The kids are laughing at that. They're not going to be terrified. But, And I think when Gore the God Butcher shows up, it's going to be fun. I think people are going to want to go see it. All right. What's next? Not scared. Daniel Dang, I have never felt more uncomfortable watching a scene than watching the boar on the floor scene in succession. I can't remember it. I'm not ahead Wait, of is that in the is there a new season of succession that I don't know about? No. Boar so on I'm the I'm trying to remember. I don't uh, I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, I am a big succession fan and I'm blanking yeah, on I've that seen, right now. Yeah, I don't even know what season we're talking about, unfortunately. All right. What's next? From Jay Bling, Christian Bale has spoken about how he can't keep doing these weight-altering roles for much yeah. longer. So I do very much think he wanted to do something fun for a change with Thor Love and Thunder. Well, I mean, it doesn't... Most actors don't do massive weight changes yeah. for their things. So it's not about, well, I want to do something fun. I mean, he could have done anything where he wasn't required to change his weight. But yeah, the way this guy went all the way down to a toothpick in was it the machinist the machinist all the way down to a toothpick machinist to what he was in batman then you look at uh, uh the where he played the vice president um what the was cheney film cheney yeah the cheney film like where he blew up in that i mean you just can't keep doing that it's not healthy for you so it's gonna be interesting to see what he does with gore bore on the floor Yes, was, it's the scene. It's when he's humiliating all the of family, the family after the dinner party and he makes oh, them crawl okay. around. Yeah. Oh. yeah. It was uncomfortable, but let's face it, I've seen way worse things in Game of Thrones. Yeah. 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 And worse things in succession. Huh? And worse things in succession. Yeah, when it comes to like things on HBO that have made me cringe, you know, watching them <laughs> crawl around on the floor and get sausages <laughs> thrown at them, not the worst thing HBO's um, done. Black Mirror, the national anthem. The pig episode. Oh god! Oh my god! Yes. Oh god! Yeah. I never watched it. So. Oh, black. Oh. No, really? You've never oh. watched Black Mirror? No. It's so good. First I've seen all, one episode of Black Mirror with uh, who's the girl from uh, Bryce Dallas Howard? Her episode's no, amazing. No, no, no. Um, um, uh, she she was the 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 main uh, hero in the most recent Terminator film. Oh yeah. Um, um and she's Mackenzie from Davis. Mackenzie Davis. Yeah. I saw the one episode with Mackenzie Davis. Um, where she falls in love with the other girl. Grandview, oh, Grandview. Grandview. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, that, that was amazing. really good, but that's it's, the only episode I ever You have to watch general, the it's National Anthem. a great anthem. show. That episode is so disturbing. The National they, Anthem was the first episode. But I, what about I, the, star, the, the Star Trek episode? I that love was that good. episode. My friend Billy is in that. He's uh -huh. the, yeah, he's the one that uh, gets... Anyway, like, no, that's one, actually, I think you that you would, would that really one. like. Yeah. I mean, they bring in such brilliant actors, and it's mm -hmm. one episode, and they're all just like... like I thought they're crazy. Just sit too. down with Anne and watch the National Anthem Black Mirror episode. All right. Well, nothing that you've said has made me feel at all enticed to do that. <laughs> but... I, I, I don't want to say what it is. You just have to discover it for yourself. All right. Okay. What's next? From Doctor Strange. Rob, I know you're an Ozark fan. I can't stop thinking about this. Jason Bateman as Reed Richards in 616. Come on. What do you think, Rob? Uh, first of all, the last seven episodes of Ozark talking about sticking the landing. Uh, because they did. God. <laughs> you uh, uh, oh my god oh. <laughs> but i think that's not a bad idea i mean jason bateman i could see him as reed richards you know i don't i 
I, I like like somebody like John Krasinski better, but I think Jason Bateman could pull it off. I think there's a lot of actors that could be good. I mean, I yeah. love yeah. Jason Bateman, so but put dude, him in anything. <laughs> Ozark, that Oz, wow. It is such a, yeah. Wow. Well, you know, I, I, will, I will say this about Jason Bateman. So the first episode, I didn't know anything about Ozark, and I went to watch the first episode, and I got about 15 minutes in, and I was like, this isn't funny at all. I'm turning this shit off. And I turned it off and I was like, Ozark sucks. I don't like that show. And then all of a sudden people kept talking about it and they were like, you know, it's not a comedy ding dong. And I went, oh, oh, okay. And so then I went back and watched it. Now I love it. All right. What's next? From Luis. Good morning, everyone. Some insiders are saying that Bryce Dallas Howard is being considered to star and direct Fantastic Four. I really like this choice. So here's the thing, though. Everybody from what I can tell so far, Everybody who's reporting it, they're all getting it from the same place, which was an anonymous poster on like 4chan. 4chan. Yeah. It was me. So uh, until, <laughs> which, hey, listen, I just finished waxing poetic about how much I love Bryce Dallas Howard. I'm all for it. But until I see something more reliable than that, uh, I'm going to keep it at arm's length for now. We'll see how that evolves. All right. What's next? Okay, Major, I know we're tired of the Ezra Miller saga, but I have a question. Can they sue WB if they replace them from the movie after they've already advertised them in it, hypothetically? Can who sue who? Can Warner Brothers? Is that what we're asking? I think can Ezra Miller sue Sue Warner Brothers for taking them out of the movie if they've already been in all the publicity? Yeah, no, the answer to that question is no. Only the people from the yesterday suit. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Here's the thing. If... Here's what theoretically could happen. If they continue to show trailers for The Flash for the next year, all with Ezra Miller in it, right up to the day of the release, and then people go to see the movie and Ezra Miller's been taken out, then yes, a class action lawsuit could be filed. By but the viewers. By the viewers. For false like but advertising if or they something. take him out of the movie, they're going to change their marketing campaign between now and when that movie but comes But Ezra out. Miller is, can't turn around no, and sue the No, studio. because no. They, they can have, they can put him in or take him out. This is true of any performer. They can put them in or have to have them taken out any amount of the movie that they yeah. want. So uh, that's I, not a thing. I can't sue people for the commercials I was cut from. I mean, that's just how life is. <laughs> All right. What's next? Uh, from Andy. Oh, this is Andy's second part. I was doing everything I can to keep laughing. Um, oh, we read this one already. I think. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Ha ha. Sorry. Mr. Holdbrook, we will, will we ever see a new Spawn movie? Do we need to? Yes, but not anytime soon. And I mean, they I, keep we, talking about it, you know. Yeah, let, let's. Todd McFarlane says, I'm going to write and direct. They've been trying to yeah. get that off the ground. They're going to do it with Blumhouse. Let's, let's put it this way. Todd McFarlane is a good Canadian kid, so he has my legions. But I have no interest in a Spawn movie that is written directed by Todd McFarlane. I have no interest in it that a guy who doesn't have one lick of experience in writing or directing a feature-length film, thinking they're the guy to write and direct it. it. No, I have no interest. And that's why studios have been looking at what he's been turning in and going, hell no, we're not financing that. We're not putting that out. I mean, so until he's off it, I'm really not interested. The, in f- the first Spawn movie was one step above the spirit. Frank Miller <laughs> oh, yeah, that movie is so bad. <laughs> so All right, bad. what's next? From Andy, what is David Zaslav's favorite fragrance? Axe. Axe. Axe of Zaslav body spray. Get me some of that. Get me some of that. All right, what's next? Uh, Brittany Howard sending in some support, so thank you, Brittany. Thank you, Brittany. Tom Fulton. Hey, y'all. I'm getting really excited for Star Wars Celebration. What are you all most looking forward to at the event? Will you be doing anything show-related there? No, absolutely not. Uh, I am going to go for one day. You're going for... I'm going. We still don't know. 
Okay, so you know, like one day, two days, three really days. I should really talk to Logan when I get home. Um, I here's what I'm looking forward to the most. I'm looking forward to something we don't know anything about yet. Mm-hmm. So uh, whether that's I'm not like I'm going to go to Star Wars Celebration. Honestly, I'm just going to walk around. Yeah, I'm just I'm not. There's no particular panels or anything I'm interested in. I'm just going to go soak in the Star Wars love yeah. of everybody else. So the things I would be looking forward to are the things we do not know. Rob speculated yesterday is predicting that they will make an official announcement about Kevin Feige's Star Wars movie. If they do, fantastic. Uh, but that would be the things I'm looking forward to the most. Is anything we don't know about I totally yet. agree with you. When is it? Uh, last weekend of May, I think. Yeah, 26th oh. and 27th. Okay, and is this something that anybody can just like get to like get a day pass and go to? Yes. Mm-hmm. Except I think they may all be sold out. Be sold yeah. out. Well, because so, I, I know people. I was trying to go to my yeah, first one ever. I mean, I know you guys. In twenty twenty, help me. Which obviously that didn't pan out. So I've never been to a Star Wars celebration. Me neither. So that's what I'm most excited about is just going for the first time. All right. What's next? Uh, from Jay Master sending in a twenty dollars. Thank chat. you, Jay. Breaking news from Deadline, She-Hulk director Kat Corio has been tapped to direct the first two episodes of the Spiderwick Chronicles Disney Plus live action series, as this was announced last year during Disney Plus Day. I don't care. I mean, it's, it's, I, mean I, I, really, I really don't know much about the Spiderwick Chronicles. I mean, hey, listen, if other people, particularly Disney, is wanting to continue to work with a director that has just done something for them, that's encouraging. Yeah, that tells me they like what she did with She-Hulk, so that's great. Yeah. Outside of that, I don't really get any of you guys here. Big Spider Chronicles. I saw the original movie with Freddie Highmore. Is that his name? Um, that's not the one with Jim Carrey, is it? No. What which one is that? The one with Jim Carrey where he's like the crazy uncle. Are you about oh no, that's a series of unfortunate events. A series of unfortunate events. Yeah. Right, right, right. Which I like that one. I like that. Film. I like but that too. Yeah. Spiderwick was all right. Yeah. Uh, all right, I got some people in here saying Spiderwick was good. Okay, who's saying that? Andrew W. in the live chat says Spiderwick is cool. I just don't really know much about it. So, yeah. But hey, if they want to keep working with her when she just did She-Hulk, it makes me excited for She-Hulk. I like that. Thanks for sending that in, Jay. Appreciate that, man. All right, what's next? From Russell uh, Amador. Hey, John, how about release the Flash movie as scheduled, then at the end of the movie, reveal a new Flash for the DCEU via multiverse to continue on? Ta-da, no more Ezra. There's, there's no need to do that. There's just no need. It would feel forced unnatural wouldn't fit the flow of the movie you just do the movie and then all of a sudden and hi everybody i'm the new flash (laughs) like how does that help the movie how does that serve the movie look you don't need to do anything special like everybody thinks that if you're changing an actor for something you have to come up with some convoluted way no no let's just go back to war machine right yeah you had the one actor playing him and then you had don Cheadle coming in and all they did was the next scene with war machine is don Cheadle. that's it so you don't have to you don't have to have some strange, weird, convoluted thing at the end of the movie. It's not necessary. Just put the movie out, make it the best movie it can possibly be. And then if you're changing Flash actors later, just the next time we see Flash is a different actor. Soap operas have been doing it since the beginning of time. My husband was the 18th actor to play Joey Buchanan on One Life to Live. But he was, the, but he was a big number. Was it wasn't like wasn't he like the fifth or sixth? It wasn't. He was, I, yeah, he was a big he he was a big Joey Buchanan. He yes. was like I feel like he was the second favorite fan the second fan favorite Joey Buchanan after Nathan Fillion, which is you know pretty cool. That's that's good company to be in. Absolutely, you, him and Nathan Fillion. All right, what's next? From Chef Rigo. Chef Rigo. Chef Rigo. Ray, it was me. I took the 2K game you rented. And Rob, <laughs> I still buy physical media. You're not alone. That's good, <laughs> Chef. When are we gonna come eat? When are we going? Soon. I mean, I would go tonight if it wasn't for the fact we're going to go to Frankenstein's. So uh, otherwise, I would go tonight. 
Um, yeah, look, it's just, you know, you brought up a great point about it's going to be harder because I don't think the next gen consoles are going to have disc players. Like they've already, they're already selling versions of them without the disc players. And when those are gone and Samsung stopped making them and it's, it's going to become harder and harder. Yeah, I mean, just I, I know that a lot of my high end, like the Oppo players, they stopped making those. And uh, Oppo stopped making Oppo them? Oppo stopped making them. I didn't know that. The Oppo players were great. And, uh, you know, even the players that I get, John, they're so flimsy. Mm. Like, I was used to buying high end disc players, and there there are still a few. I might invest in one and, like, put it away for a rainy day. But even the, the, the players are so cheap. I mean, cheap meaning cheaply yeah, cheap made. made. And I, I just, it's going to be a problem. Like, you know, I'm I'm so glad that if I look at how many like I've been buying physical media. This is shocking. For forty two years, no one is shocked by that, Rob. Well, I no mean, one is shocked it, by it's that. It's shocking in the sense that there was physical media to buy, and we are coming to the end of that era. And I think that that you know, in my lifetime, I will have seen the beginnings of it and the ends of it. And I find that fascinating. No, what's more shocking is that 40 years ago was what, 1982? 1980. 1980? 42. We 70, I'm 42, so it was 79. Oof. That's right. shocking. What's next? From Caden. This morning during mailbag, out of nowhere, John was like, look at my face. Look at my effing face. <laughs> Caught me completely off guard during my run. Laugh my ass off. I, I think that was my, uh, my Harry's ad. I was like... Guys, have you ever seen my face look this smooth? I didn't have a chance. I was, I was too busy to shave this morning, but I was like, well, have you ever seen my shave this close? And the answer to that is no. And that's thanks to our sponsors, Harry. <laughs> is All that right. good for like sensitive skin? Because every time Tom shaves, his skin just like, it's it's awful. I am the same way, which is why I stopped using uh, blades a while ago. Yeah. And Ray, my electric razor is one Ray bought me like five years ago for Christmas. It's an Aww. R2-D2 razor. No, electric it's a stormtrooper. It was an R2-D2. Oh, it's got it? the blue. Yes, got the R2D2. <laughs> no, I, got, I got Tom the Manscaped razor, which, hey, love it. Um, can he use his Manscaped razor on his face too, or is that like a no-no? No, no, Manscaped is for your basement, no, and Harry's for your face, <laughs> your body. I don't know how these things work. I don't have face hair. Uh, well, uh, the, so the answer to that is no. Get okay. him, get him on hair. Mine was the same way that whenever I would use a blade, I would get like red blotches and stuff like a very sensitive skin but the it sounds like i'm doing another promo spot but yes it the kit that i got came with a shaving cream that you put on and leave on for five minutes before you shave and it like totally moisturizes everything like that and the shave was great and i loved it anyway sorry enough of that what's next <laughs> from connor lee i was only six years old when avatar came out and can still remember how much it amazed me and i cannot wait for these sequels listen i'm not a big 3d guy but i went to go see that movie in 3d and it takes a lot today with how we've been desensitized to how good visual effects are to be stunned in awe and wonder avatar stunned in awe and wonder like like you're talking about the flight scenes and you're over you're just mm -hmm. inspired and it's like i think we lose sight of that like I, I love going back and watching the original jurassic world every once in a while because when dr grant gets out of the jeep and he's got his glasses and whatever it's like you forget that we used to feel that a lot in theaters because it, it just it's so good now but go back to that first avatar movie that that was a lot of inspiration in there and it just it looks incredible you know what gets me when they first get to pandora and they're flying down from orbit it's that orbital shuttle, the contrails that are just created by the wings. It looked so real, the visual effects. And I was like, my God, this looks astonishing. 
And people forget because they're so des desensitized to it, man. That movie, the visuals are incredible. Yeah, they're really, really good. All right, incredible. what's next? From Java Man in Hong Kong. One of two. There is still hope for Moonfall. There is a novel written by <laughs> Neil Stevenson called Seven as a, Seven E's. Seven E's, thank you, about moon <laughs> explosion and what happened to Earth in the next 5,000 years. Heard years ago that... We'll Whoa. just have to get that yeah. when we get there. Would you believe that I own that book? Would you like to borrow it? Yeah, well, you, it's, oh, so it's actually a novel? What's yeah. the name of it again? Seven Eves. Seven Eves. Yeah, by Neil, Neil Stevenson. How old's the book? When did that come out? <laughs> Seven or eight years ago? Okay. So it's not. It's not that. It's not that it's old. Not, it's not that old. Do you so. think it would make a good movie? It's interesting because it's kind of in two parts. I think it would make a better series. Okay. But it would. I'm a, Neil Stevenson wrote Snow Crash, which I think is one of the most entertaining books I've ever read in my life. The All next right. uh, Moon movie, but uh, it's a Moon movie. It's going to be Artemis by Andy Weir. That's right. <laughs> I, I'm reading that right now. It's, it's it's pretty good. I like I like that author. So. Yeah, right. he wrote, well, um, Andy, yeah, he's the, the author who wrote... He wrote The Martian. Okay. Mm. All right, what's next? From Film Code Podcast, finally watched Top Gun for the first time. Awesome. My hype for Maverick is unreal, but how on earth did it take so long for this to get a sequel? <laughs> Look, they, they could do a The Offer kind of series for trying to get... I mean, this thing goes all the way back to when uh, Ridley Scott's brother... Was Tony. when Tony mm -hmm. was supposed to do it long, but be long before he died. And it's been a whole huge, right up to the point where they released the trailer for it four years ago. And then everything happened, the pandemic and whatever it, long running. Look, all I'm going to tell you is this. The new top gun is better than the original top gun in almost every way. It's, it's just, I, I was floored by how much I liked it. I couldn't, I couldn't believe how much entertained I was by it. And, and not only is it wildly entertaining, there's a surprising streak of melancholy I think in it by the Tom Cruise character kind of looking back at his life and the changing of the guard, like what he lived for as a fighter pilot, kind of like which the world is changing. Just like we're going to lose physical media. People are going to be flying drones. You know, who's going to be flying anymore. And there, I was surprisingly affected by that. It's a terrific, terrific movie. Even if it wasn't top gun, it was called something else. It's a great film. You loved it. Aaron. I right loved it. I laughed. I cried. I have told everyone about it. I immediately called my mom. She was thrilled. Um, she's ready to go see it opening weekend. I am. I, I yes, I'm, I'm first of all, I'm so happy for you for seeing Top Gun for the first time. It is such a fantastic movie. And yes, I think that if you if you enjoyed Top Gun, you are going to absolutely love Maverick um, as I did. All right. What's next? From Alfredo. Hi, John. Been watching since your Ant-Man and Age of Ultron coverage. Wow. The new set is nostalgic. Yeah, it is it is kind of great. I'll tell you what. My favorite thing about the new set and the studio is something that you guys won't be able to appreciate, which is I don't have to run the show anymore. Yeah. Uh, like trying to think about everything I need to say and be the host and all that kind of stuff while I'm also controlling all the audio, all the video, swinging the graphics, all that kind of stuff. I don't have to do that anymore because Jonathan Boyko is here to do that. Yay. And he's doing a great job of it so far. And to me, that is like my favorite part of this, which is, and, and I'm not going to lie, really the main kind of motivator for me for us to get a new studio space. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, let's go to that wide shot, Jonathan. I, I love the new studio. I love the new studio. I love the set. I just, I'm, we're comfortable. Like we're not kind of cramped into that converter garage we had before. I am in the room, by the way. Yeah. You're no, people, you're on the island. People in the people in the chat are like, "Why are Ray and Aaron in a different room? We're all in the same room. We're just on the oh. other side of the room. The illusion. Yeah. We are all 
<laughs> broke the illusion. It does actually make me sad that I don't have to like squeeze my, like, oh, sorry, Chris. Oh, sorry, Ray. Oh, hey, hey, Rob. Like, you know, we're not all. Yeah. It's mostly just hard for us now to look at each other and be like, what the fuck is happening? Listen, what I know. You and also because do? I'm only here on Wednesdays, I'm already feeling like you guys get in a conversation and then I'm like, I have something to say. I'm still over here. Can I, can I, can I say <laughs> Flag something? Flag is down. So if I interrupt you, it's because I think that you may have forgotten I'm here because this studio is so large. <laughs> and, like you guys, we did a really good job in the converted garage yeah. on camera of making it not look, it was like, it was completely claustrophobic. Yeah. It was completely claustrophobic. Like it was, it was tight with three and then we get four people in there mm -hmm. and it was like, and then when we would have a fifth, like when Aaron would come in, it's like Ray would just have to get out of the room because we yeah. just didn't have any room. But yeah, I, I love the new spot space. Thank you. And we are going to work, by the way, like this is the main stage. This is where the cameras usually are. But we are going to work on getting better backgrounds for both Ray and when Aaron's here as well. We're going to work on that. But uh, just for now, this you functions. mean Superman getting laid in the back is not going to be like my forever? I mean, that's a, that's a totally separate YouTube channel altogether. <laughs> <laughs> Big view numbers. Aaron Superman and Superman laid. get laid. <laughs> All right. YouTube what's next? Channel. From Sin Vendetta. Hey, John, I know you're a big Weird Al fan, and he's going to be at the Fox Performing Arts Center in Riverside in September. Just wanted to let you know, and I'll be going myself. Uh, it would not surprise you to find out that Anne bought me tickets for that. Aww. Wow. Yeah, I am I am actually ridiculously big Weird Al fan. I, I, it's, he's the only celebrity. I have gone up and started conversations with Harrison Ford, with, I mean, you name it. I have never had the guts in the five or six times I've been in the same room with Weird Al to walk up to and say hi to Weird what Al. What is it about him that's so intimidating? I don't know. He's, he's he's just, I am such a big fan of his. Like, Ann would always, we literally were going up an escalator once after a premiere and we were going to the after party and Weird Al was literally standing on the step above us on the escalator going up, heading to the party. And Ann's like, this is say hi, say hi. I'm like, no, I don't want to bother him. Don't want, don't want to bother him. He's just, he's here favorite, to enjoy himself. Do you have a favorite uh, Weird Al song? Um, you're not perfect, but you're good enough for now. It's uh, one of the greatest love songs of all time. You're not perfect, but you're, and it's an original. It's not a spoof. Right. Um, so I love that. But then you go back to his big classics, whether it's like, um, eat it, eat it. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm fat. Uh, just the dude's a, a genius. Are you excited about seeing Daniel Radcliffe as a uh, weird Al? Apparently weird Al loves Daniel's the performance. Trailer? I'm not going to lie. The trailer didn't do a lot for me, oh. but what did stand out is like, was weird Al ever that ripped because Daniel Radcliffe is now ripped. And I don't know that weird Al was ever that butch, but I don't know. We'll find out. Well, I think there's a big difference though. And I'm, this is no commentary. I haven't seen the photos of Daniel. So this is nothing about Daniel, but I think there is a difference between being ripped and just having low body fat percentage. No, he looked muscular. Really? Yeah, there's a, there's a shot in the trailer where he's like walking across the stage with his shirt off and everything. I'm like, wow, little Harry's gotten bigger. <laughs> little Jeez. Harry's growing up a bit. <laughs> little Harry has gotten bigger. That did not come out the way I intended it. Take it as is you that will. a rock in your pocket or is little Harry just getting that's, bigger? That's just, that's, just one. He continues lean. to get laid back there. All right, what's next? <laughs> From Dat Boy 22. <laughs> Love Multiverse of Madness, seeing it again in IMAX on Friday. I'm not going to lie. I saw it. Look, I, again, I don't think it's a top 10 MCU film, but all the films in the top 10 of the MCU film are fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, so I don't think it's a top 10, but I went to go see it a second time and I, I liked it even more the second time. 
Like I had fun. Like the problems that I had with it are still definitely there. They're still the problems I have with it. But I found the things that I liked about it kind of stood out even more to me this time. And I think Anne had the same thought. She like she liked it the first time we saw it. She liked it a little bit more the second time. I'm I'm gonna see it one or two more times actually. Yeah. All right. What's next? Uh, Sam Fisher's second part. This was about uh, Pike, I believe. Right. Uh, we know he's a fan of that stuff. The first scene is him watching an old sci-fi movie. Love Mount's portrayal of him as sort of a happy-go-lucky. Yeah, again, like I was saying, you, I was going into it expecting he would either try to channel a little bit of Kirk or channel a little bit of Picard or maybe like Daniel... Uh, 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 Craig. Uh, Craig, I was about to say Radcliffe as James <laughs> Bond. Daniel Craig kind of channeled both of them. He really is his own character and i'm again i'm only one episode in i may think it's the worst thing on tv after i see episode two but right now i'm really digging it all right what's next from brian o'neill singleton one of two could it be that gore recovered hella's godslayer necrosword from the remains of asgard yeah so this is interesting because in the comics he has what's called the necrosword mm -hmm. but that's what they called hella's sword could it be that he travels to asgard find it's already destroyed but come across the necrosword there maybe do they want to bring null and and the idea of the symbiotes into it maybe maybe not again but john in the comics well yeah remember this is the movie not the comics i'm gonna go out on a limb and say i don't think they're gonna have this connected to null i don't think null's gonna be mentioned i could be wrong but i'm my guess is they won't mention null what do you think maybe i i, I think they might there might be a mention they might tie, but again, I don't, I have no, I'm pulling that out of my ass. I have no idea. I, because I don't know. We don't, we, and there's a reason they haven't shown them to us either. They don't yeah. want to tip off enough. I don't, I don't know. I mean, again, when they bring all this stuff into the MCU, I'm already having a problem with the cosmology between the multiverse, between the celestials, between the Egyptian gods and Moon Knight. The Olympus, the Olympian the Olympi gods, gods now, the Asgardian, I mean, bringing in yeah. Null, you know, the, what are the god of the symbiotes or whatever. Yep. I mean, are you going to do all that? Then there's too many gods, man. All right, That's what's next? That's going to kill them. That's right. Gore is, oh, take care of that overpopulation. <laughs> From Andy, the latest season of The Flash is so weird. How did he go from facing reverse Flash, Zoom, and future Flash to fighting ordinary people in Hawaii? Uh, I'll, look, Andy, I'll tell you straight up. I tapped out on the flash a season and a half ago. Like, so I didn't see this season. and I didn't see the last season. The season before <laughs> that was the last one I saw. This is an Ezra Miller joke. What's that? This is an Ezra Miller joke. Oh my God. Because <laughs> you know what? Here's Love the thing. Love the commitment, John. Yeah. Love the commitment. The, it went, that show got so bad that. Yeah, he just goes to Hawaii fighting ordinary people. I could totally I like, see yeah. it. I just totally, yeah. That, that makes yeah, sense for Barry and I. That's, that sounds, that's why I'm saying, you know, listen, I haven't seen the new season, so I haven't <laughs> seen him fighting these people in Hawaii. Uh, but I just know I tapped out on the show. Okay, I get it. Wow, yeah, that went right over my head. Boo! <laughs> <laughs> like, way up there. Oh. All right, what's next? From Johnny Wiener. My PS4 classic Spider-Man Hot Toys came in today, and I love it. I have three now, twenty ninety nine and Iron Spider. I know what you're going to say, but I want it more. Listen, it just be very like I'm going to Frank and Sons later tonight. <laughs> you got to be so careful with like, here's, you know, this is my favorite one. This is Captain America Infinity War version. You when you get a good close up look at this thing, you see how beautiful it is mm -hmm. and the detail and the like the problem is you and it's like 275 bucks. Then you think, man, you know what would look really good right beside it? And then all of a sudden, Black you've Widow. got four. Yep. <laughs> Suddenly, you've got four. Mm. And then you're wondering, 
why did my car payment check bounce? <laughs> and it's just it's just a dangerous hobby uh, to get too into. But I'm I'm probably going to buy one or two more. Um, the, the, set, the set needs one or yeah, two more. I that, think. Not, I don't have the classic and Spider-Man suit. That figure is amazing because they've done a whole series from what our viewers talking about Iron Spiders from Infinity War. That figure is incredible. Mm. I have that. I have Spider-Man 2099 too. That is from, they've been doing all the game figures. Oh, nice. But they're, those figures are great. Like they just put out the Bodega Cat Miles Morales figure, which is amazing. I mean, it's just those Spider-Man figures too. Is it just of a cat or is Miles? No, it's okay. Uh, they just, they just, I just want, I don't know what you're collecting, Rob. Uh, yeah, well, he comes with the cat. <laughs> what does he too. not collect? The 2099 oh. versions is what it, the Spider Man figures, man. Those that alone. so great. Those alone. By, by the yeah. way, we haven't mentioned this a lot lately, but they showed us the first 20 minutes of Spider Man Across the Spider Verse. Yeah. Is it, what, what was, what is the name though? Is it Across the Spider Verse? Uh, it was called Across the Spider Verse. I thought it was Across. Yeah, it was Across the Spider Verse Part One, and then. But now they've changed. Now it's Across the Spider-Verse, and the third one is going to be called Beyond the Spider-Verse. So they showed us the first 20 minutes of Across the (laughs) Spider-Verse. It looks so good. And Spider-Man 2099. So good. Anyway, sorry. We got to keep going. What's next? From Mickey. With Phase 5, will Phase 5... Will Phase 5 be announced this year? We only have four known movies left on the calendar. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. The phases mean nothing. They're arbitrary pretend things. They just kind of set up so we can just help keep it organized in our head. Yeah. It, it doesn't really mean anything. So it's not about whether phase five is going to be announced. Like the next few movies they announce, they may categorize as still being phase four, right? Like theoretically speaking, Spider-Man uh, Far From Home was technically the last film of phase three. Endgame was not. How does that make any sense? It doesn't make any sense. But it's just, again, I think a lot of us put, uh, assign some kind of an importance to the phases. Again, it's just a made-up arbitrary thing just to help us keep them organized in our heads. But they should be announcing new projects soon. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, whether they cl- categorize them as phase five or phase four, doesn't really matter. But I do expect some new announcements soon. All right, what's next? From Ascension Network, has anyone here seen Slow Horses? Gary Oldman adaptation of the Jackson Lamb books on Apple TV. Absolutely incredible. Everyone is telling me about I have this. heard I nothing but good things, things about it. Yeah. yeah. I need There's to watch spies, it. Like a, an incompetent spies? Is that what's about? Gary Oldman's trying to whip him into shape Essentially, or yeah, where it's just like, you're not good enough for MI6, so you're here now. Yeah, it sounds like it's great, and I'll watch Gary Oldman in anything. Yeah, and, and same. Bitch, are any of us surprised? Though? Like, Apple just keeps cranking out they're doing Excellent. great content. Yeah. Like, I think that, that's what's really interesting is that, uh, you know, as we're seeing all the different streaming platforms, initially it was just sort of just vomiting product. Mm-hmm. And then we're now starting to see each of them creating their own thing. They're all developing their own niche. They're all figuring out who they want to be in the world of streaming. And Apple it seems to be carving out a world for themselves where they go, you know what? We're not going to create content that is for the masses. We're going to focus on a small amount of content that's going to be really you know, critically acclaimed, mm-hmm. strong product that has a slow burn. Um, and, and to be quite honest, I, I hate to say it, maybe is more for a more intellectual palate, you know, like 
they're not making stuff for dummies. You gotta, you gotta, you're not gonna be able to multitask while watching their shows. Right. They want you yeah, to sit you down. Yeah, you paying attention when you're watching. And they've got an Oscar under their belt now. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. All right, what's next? From Daniel Dang, Avatar or Terminator 2 for a future movie club? Um, I could definitely see both of them. Yeah. I mean, I'll say this, if movie club continues, uh, I mean, I'm I'm not personally super thrilled with the numbers we're getting on Movie Club, but they are a lot of fun to do. But yeah, if Movie Club does continue, both of those at some point will be because Terminator Two is like one of the great sci-fi films of all time. Yeah, but it'd be fun to do an Avatar to celebrate the release of before the Way second of Water, one comes yeah. out. Yeah, absolutely. All right, what's next? Hey, Marcellus, any particular Marvel characters you would like to see that the MCU hasn't introduced yet? Hmm. I can't wait for the day when Doctor Doom is done right, especially with his knowledge of science and sorcery. Here's the thing. First of all, if, if this is probably the question I've been asked most in my entire career, what MCU character that they've not done yet do you want to see next? Because I mean, that's a, when you look at the amount of stuff they've done. I mean, what's left, right? I will give the same answer I've always given: Bishop. Bishop is a character. Now, yeah, you can say, well, in this movie, he had this little, he was kind of there for a sec. I mean, a really a true Bishop movie to me is the one I want to see badly. As far as Doctor Doom goes. When you say, and when fans say, done right, really, what are we saying? To me, and this is going to rub some people the wrong way, and it's totally fine. There's no such thing as doing the character right. Doing the character right, a lot of people mean the way I've got them in my head. Mm. I really don't care. I just want to see a compelling character. What powers they have is not going to make the movie any better or any worse. Um, how they their how they get their armor is not going to make the movie any better or any worse. How, is he already ruling? Uh, I was going to say Lithuania. It's not Lithuania. What's the name of his country? Latveria. Again? Latveria. Is he already ruling? That's not going to make the movie any better or any worse. Having a compelling, interesting, three dimensional character that has a good story surrounding them that they can engage with. You do that, and you can do Doctor Doom any way you want, and it's going to be a win. Um, so. Yeah, I'm excited. To see, but that's why I say when people ask who should be the villain of the next movie, and I say people get weirded out when I say it doesn't matter. How can you say it doesn't matter? Because Doctor Doom is arguably one of the greatest comic book villains of all time. He's been in four different movies. None of those movies have been good. What that tells us is that what villain you put in will not make the movie any better. It's about whether or not you have a villain that you write well. Yeah. And that's what we're waiting for. We're waiting to see Dr. Doom not done right. We're waiting to see Dr. Doom done well. <laughs> and and like when they do that, whenever they get around to it, it'll be great. But just to you, Rob, quickly, I, I want to go to the room here. Any MCU character that they have not done yet that you'd love to see? The X-Men. And Bishop is part of that. Well, yeah. You know, mm -hmm. and, and I, I'm surprised that we're 28 movies in to the MCU. And, and obviously, extenuating circumstances. They didn't have the rights. Yeah. But it's weird to me because to me, my start the way I love Star Trek, I love the X-Men as far as Mar Marvel's concerned. And it's strange to me. But I mean, we've been getting other X-Men, but I really want to see the X-Men in the MCU. What about you, Chris? I mean, I'm all for X-Men. I want a rogue who's like the 90s animated series, right? I want her to be sassy, flirty, and Southern. That's what I want. Um, and I really want to see You want Aaron Cummings as rogue. I do. I <laughs> do want Aaron hey, girl, I'm right She'll here. Be, she'll be rogue and I'll be squirrel girl. We're going to... Just conquer Marvel. It's going to be great. Ray, you got an MCU character that they haven't uh, put on the screen yet that you'd like to see? It's always the Sentry. Oh, that's right. Ooh, You're yeah. the Sentry guy. That's right. Yeah. All right. What's next? Uh, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, Aaron. my God. 
I'm like the resident MCU expert. Like, yeah, you're expert our walking here. encyclopedia. You're asking me. Who's the MCU character we need to see? I mean, personally, I'm going to say Blonde Phantom. I'm also, Ooh. Double Indemnity is one of my favorite films. I love anything from the 1940s. Preston Sturges is one of my favorite directors. So um, I kind of, I, I just love Blonde Phantom because she's a, a hint from a time when women were deliciously devilish. And uh, I think that we, ha and we haven't seen her. So bring her in. And, you know. I didn't know you were a Preston Sturges fan. Oh. Sullivan's Travels is one of my favorite movies. The Lady Eve is one of mine, and I actually own it on physical media, the Hong Kong version. Wow. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I'll bring it over and we will we will have a little physical media Preston Sturges festival. Wow. All right. What's next? From Blue Jay. Hi, love the show. Just sending in support. Oh, thank you, Blue Jay. Always nice when people want to write in just to be supportive. Thank you for that, Blue Jay. Hold on. Over under 25%, Gore will evolve by changing the way he looks as he gets stronger. Similar to Frieza in Dragon Ball Z. I'm going to go under. Um, I think when you, like, you, in, in the Gore the God Butcher stuff with, like, the God Bomb and all that kind of stuff, I don't really, I never noticed any kind of a change in, in his physical appearance. I don't think, like, there might be a change from when we see him as just this hungry native of a particular planet that you know it, it has is having a rough time to after he comes in possession of whether it's the necro sword or something some other MacGuffin that empowers him to go and take on gods there might be a change in that moment but i don't think we're going to see a changing evolution in his appearance what do you think Rob? probably not but although although maybe they will it's I, possible uh, it's yeah it's possible i just don't get a sense of it i don't i don't understand I don't. I don't know anything about how, other than what we've seen these images. I don't know how does he speak. Like, what is what voice is he going to use? Like, I have no idea. That's why it's so crazy. We've seen a trailer for this movie. I want. I want him to talk like this. Like yeah. This, I, yeah. Like, I don't know. Is he going to do that? Answer to me, Thor. That's what I want to hear. All right. What's next? Uh, from She Town Rules. Uh, oh, 09. Thor makes 150 to 170, but has better legs than Multiverse of Madness. I can see both of those being true, mm -hmm. Chi-Town. Mm -hmm. All right, what's next? From Caden, Thor will absolutely make more opening weekend, way bigger casual fan base cling to him as opposed to Doctor Strange. Okay, great. Same fan base when Thor Ragnarok came out, made 122. And that movie was advertised amazingly, looked amazing, fantastic. Now, you may say, though, yes, but because it was so beloved, that's going to add to it now. Great. Can it make 66 million more? We'll find out. I still think under, but ask me again after the next trailer comes out. I might have to change my tune. All right, what's next? From Jedediah Elias, one of two. I know some people that didn't like Ragnarok, but for the most part, Thor 4 is making all the money. It's the final installment in the Thor trilogy with Christian Bale returning to comic book movies. Um, yeah, I don't know that I call Thor 4 the final movie of the Thor trilogy. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I was confused by that. I'm like, Semantics wait, there. By the way, I don't believe for a minute this is the last Thor movie. I don't believe it's the last Thor movie at all. I, I don't either. I think, I think Chris Hemsworth second... has fallen in love with playing this character again. Yeah. This is the second movie in Taika Waititi's Thor, tr Thor trilogy. Yes, we could put it that way. That's yeah. a good way of putting it. That's all right. What What's next? From Attack of the Mushi, gore entrance with war pigs by Black Sabbath. Boom. <laughs> There you go. I love that. Look, all I, when you say war pigs, I'm, all, I'm still just excited about seeing the boat goats. Yeah. <laughs> boat goats, is, I'm just all hanging on boat goats. That's all I want to see. All right, what's next? From Sam Fisher, my four picks for Fantastic Four director, Peyton Reed, John Krasinski, Brad Bird, and Daniels. Everything, everywhere, all at once directors. I mean, great, but it's the same thing. It's X director and X role. Like, as long as you get a good, talented 
storytelling director. And all four of those are absolutely that. But there's probably about 20 or 30 others that I also think would be really great picks as well. But uh, yeah, if they named any of the ones you just named, I'll be totally happy. All right, what's next? From Fifi, I think Thor Love and Thunder can outperform Multiverse of Madness because one, the Guardians are in it. Two, Ragnarok is a fan favorite. Three, because it has nothing to do with Multiverse unlike the past four Marvel products. All those are absolute absolute legitimate points to make and you're incredibly right and again even just the title multiverse of madness again though thor the last one made 122 can it do 66 more that's a big ask and making over 186 million dollars is huge what do we say that was the 11th biggest opening in cinematic history yeah can thor become that like the the 10th biggest in cinematic history i don't know it's gonna be a tall order but we'll find out all right what's next uh, Java Man in Hong Kong, second part here. Ron Howard will be directing Brian Gr- uh, Gazer, his movie partner, last year answered to Collider question of what movie he wants to make if finance is no issue, and he said it would be uh, seven, what is it? Seven E's. Seven E's. So wait, does that mean Ron Howard is directing seven E's? Is that what's happening? I don't know. I mean, if he wants to do it, that'd be really expensive. It, it's not an easy, that would not be an easy adaptation, but I'd love to see it. You know, if they're going to do it as a movie, it'd be very, very cool. What's very the ba- just the basic uh, well, back it, cover of books roundup of what it, the movie it, is? It basically ha- deals with the long-term future of humanity and what these particular women have to do with that long-term future of humanity. Like in a handmade sale way? No, or? no, no, okay. no, no, no. In an evolutionary way. Oh, uh, it's like it's, we run the world, Beyonce style. Yeah. <laughs> And it does. It has a massive time jump in it. Oh, from one era to another era. So it's yes, there is a there is a cataclysm involving the moon. And all uh, Ray's excited. Ray's ears (laughs) just perked up. All right, what's next? From Crash and Coyote, Winning Time is great, but final season of Better Call Saul and Ozark make Winning Time look like Titans. Okay. Um. Again, I I have not watched. Again, I don't like Ozark, so there's that. And I I stopped watching Better Call Saul after season two or season three, but I was liking it very much. Yeah. I just never kept on with it. So, but I can't address the. I the reject stuff. what our viewers saying. I disagree. Winning time as winning time is great, but Ozark is a totally different kind of a show. I yeah. mean, I would. I I, I, I I don't even think that you can compare the two. Yeah. Just because Winning Time almost has a docu-series feel to it. I mean, first of all, it's based on based, based on, on yes. based on reality. I mean, every single character that we meet on the show is someone who is either still alive or, you know, recently passed. And these are actual real events. Like, I remember when Paula Abdul was the choreographer for the Laker girls. Like, <laughs> so seeing how Paula Abdul allegedly became that is like a really cool thing. Whereas with Ozark, like all of that is hypothetical. That's a totally Plus, different world. The acting in that show. I mean, Laura Linney is delivering and so is our favorite, you know, Ruth. What's, yeah. what's her name? Ah, oh, man, Ruth. I, I mean, she, she's her, so she, good. I, it's mind bought. But then again, people are great on winning time as well, but it's just different. Yeah. All right. And it sticks the landing. What's yep. next? From Film Code Podcast, John, you seem like a good poker player. Would you consider doing a show teaching poker for beginners? I'd watch that. I could teach a, I could teach poker for beginners. See, poker is a game you can learn in 10 minutes, but it takes a lifetime to master. Here's, here's the thing. I am a good poker player. I'm good. 
the the problem you is wads of hundies in your okay, wallet. So, but yeah, every time we problem. go to Vegas, on, we're man. like, so how'd you yeah. do? He's like, meh, I only made eighty five thousand dollars last night. I didn't really do that well. But but here's here's the truth though. Here's the I'm reality. Exaggerating, this obviously. guy is a poker baller. Don't let him downplay. But here's 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 the reality. So like, our last trip to Vegas is a great example. So I went to play and I played at a, at a medium medium stakes table. I played at two five. Oh. Someone's choking on their water. Hi, Mike. Hi, Mike. I'm coming. I'm coming. <laughs> wow. She, she was she was overwhelmed by my story. So, and I I think I I took down like forty five hundred bucks. Right, playing two five. I was playing at the win, right. And it was it was so much I couldn't close my wallet. Remember, I, I had to pick up yeah, my wallet. It was just straight. I like, saw a fat right? roll of hundies. Baby. So okay, that's great. That's great. So now I'm thinking, wow, I'm really good. So the next night, I go back to the win, and I decide to sit down at the 5, 10, 20 table. Now, I'm not going to explain with all of me. For those of you who know anything about poker, you know that's a much bigger stakes game, right? And as soon as I sat down, I could tell, okay, these aren't like tourists or whatever. These are people who take poker seriously. I'm like, all right, I'm going to take all their money too. I got my ass handed to me. Like I got, like it was, it only took me about 20 minutes to realize I am by far the worst person here. Like I'm by far the worst player here. And like within an hour, I lost over a thousand dollars. And I'm and so finally after now, I'm like, I am clearly out of my depth. So here's what it is. I'm a quite a good poker player for casual poker players. I am no pro. Because <laughs> as soon as I thought I could sit down with some of the pros, I got spanked badly. So yeah, I'm pretty good for a casual player and I can teach how to get poker playing uh, for beginners. Maybe I'll do that sometime. I would like fun. to take that class because Tom is a really good poker player in tournaments. Like we played at a celebrity. It's totally different. Cash and tournament. Exactly. Totally different. And that's what he explained to me because he got down to like the final five, like almost won a, a trip to Hawaii. Like he got down to the final five in this big thing. Um, and I was like, oh, my God, you're an amazing poker player. And he's like, I'm not, though, because if it's just me and some friends playing a friendly game, I'm not going to play. And, and that's all about a different type of strategy. But I go, well, teach me how to play. And he's like, OK, well, this means a full house and this means a suit and this means a this and this means a that. And he's shouting all these things at me that I, I'm just like, I'm out. I'm done. So I, I need like poker playing for dummies. Yeah. So like when somebody says to you, I was sitting there with a double gutter and then I nailed it on the river. Like a lot of people look at you like you're speaking a, a foreign language, right. right? Or it's innuendo. One of the two. All right. What's next? <laughs> Do you guys know you couldn't t put water down your trachea? Did you guys know that? <laughs> I, I, learned I learned that today. That. I learned that today. <laughs> Ryan, I'm tired of this nitpicking that the multiverse of madness is getting. You want it. Oh, can I say all these? No, nah, time to move on. Okay. The, sorry, Ryan, about that, but we're not we're not going to read we stuff like that. You, Ryan. So sorry for those of you watching. For those of you in the podcast, we just we just yeah. saved you. Uh, green tea drinker. Just wanted to send my positive thoughts to you and your mom, John. Thank you. Also, hello, fact checker Jonathan, since I neglected you in my last super chat. Oh, well, hello. <laughs> <laughs> One of these days, we'll even have a camera on him. Thanks for that Ooh. green tea drinker. What's next? From Jake. I think Rob likes physical media because he has this nightmare where all streaming services implode. Then he'll be the only one chilling. That's right. You're going to be that Twilight Zone episode, right? But then uh, the Blu-ray uh, player is going to break and you're going to go, but I had time. I had time. 
The name of that episode is Time Enough at Last, starring Burgess Meredith. And since this is National Twilight Zone Day, mm-hmm. nice reference. Nice It's going to be the end of days, and we're all going to be running around looking for water and food. And Rob's going to be like, ha ha, <laughs> I have all the physical media. I can watch everything I want. You can- there's no electricity and there's no player, but I have the but no, Because I will have gone to your house and taken all your solar, solar batteries. My solar panels? Solar I panels guarantee batteries. you Rob has a backup generator just for his Blu-ray Probably. player. It's not a bad idea. All right, what's next? From Brian O'Neill Singleton, number two of two. Also, there were rumors that there were going to be cameos from the greater MCU in Moon Knight. Your thoughts? Bring on the filthy. Uh, don't care about rumors of cameos. Was Kamel Najiani was going to be? I mean, be- uh, Kamel Najiani, but again, if it was just going to be a cheap cameo, I don't want it there. I'll be honest with you. I think cameos are cheap gimmicks. Unless yeah. they are integrated into the story and help move the story forward, yeah. right? And- we, while we won't go into details, that's one of the reasons I like the cameos in Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness because those ones are integral to pushing forward two important plot points that move the story. But I just, like, just having saying, hey, everybody, look, I'm here. I, I just don't get the desire of people going crazy for this shit cameo. This, I don't get it because it's useless. It's right. totally useless. It doesn't actually make a movie any better. All right, what's next? From Pop Tart Timmy <laughs> Illuminati equals Guardians of the Globe. Oh my goodness. Okay, so you'd have to have watched Invincible and you'd have to watch to the Doctor uh Doctor Strange Multiverse to get that. That's actually a really good reference, man. That's a very good analogy. All right, what's next? From Mateo. Hey John, love the show. Will Marvel make a villain featured movie like the Joker in DC? Thanks. I, I would love if they did, but I really don't see Kevin Feige doing that. It just doesn't seem to be in his wheelhouse about what he wants to do. Look, I would love for Marvel to have the guts to tell a outside of their cinematic universe standalone story. I would love to see them have the guts to do that, but I don't think they've got it. This is where I'd love the superior Iron Man that you talked about. I think that'd be killer. I think it'd be a lot of fun. All right. What's next from Irene Jobson. Ray, read this. It's just a bunch of duck, 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 duck. I don't get it. Yeah. Uh, I have no idea. All right, trying to up. get Ray to say duck in the chat. Uh, Dacky Woods. Hey, guys, I work for U.S. Cellular, and we offer a free Redbox movie a line each month. <laughs> I have to tell people that there is an app. It's probably our least used feature. <laughs> it will be interesting, though, to see how successful they can be in this big transition to being digital first and digital yeah. only. Yep. Because there is room in the market for AVOD. There absolutely is room in the market for it. So it'll be interesting to see how they're able to do that. All right, what's next? From Carlos, sending in a $50 super Thank you, Carlos, for supporting us on that level, man. That's extremely generous. Thank you. Hey, campers, hope all is well. If Marvel ever gets around to doing a Hyperion movie, my dream casting is Henry Cavill. Since Hyperion is the Marvel version of Superman, and we know how great he is in that role. What do you guys think? Stay safe and bring on the filthy. Honestly, Carlos, for all the reasons you just said, absolutely not. Because of what you just said. Like, do you, it's kind of their version of Superman. Well, let's go get the guy who already played Superman. Look, I love Henry Cavill. Put him in anything as, as far as I'm concerned. And I agree with every point that you made. The thing is, it's because of your points that I would say, absolutely not. They shouldn't do it. And that's why I don't think they would. Rob, what do you think? I, I agree. I mean, I'd like to see a Squadron Supreme movie. I think that'd be cool. But I, I, I yeah, I, he'd basically essentially be playing the same character. Why, why would they do that? I think. And I why think, would he want to? 
And, and yeah. yeah, that's a, the bigger question is why would he even want to? Yeah, yeah you're right. I think he would stay away from that. I don't think Marvel would, would make that character either because it is too similar to DC. They've got their own legacy characters that they'll focus on. So. What do you think, Ray? Henry Cavill is Sentry? You want to see that? No, no, not Sentry. <laughs> not Sentry. Not Sentry. No. All right. What's next? From the Philosopher's Take, who sends in a $20 super chat. Thank you, Philosopher. Like James Gunn, but hate his goofy portrayal of antagonistic characters. Thanos, Collector, Grandmaster, Ego, all goofy. Terrified about how goofy a Will Poulter Adam Warlock will be. Your thoughts? I think you're absolutely wrong. I mean, it, it, that's the great thing about this stuff is that it's all subjective. And if you took it that way, you took it that way. And that's great. Um, James Gunn didn't do Thanos. Uh, well, in the first Guardians of the Galaxy, don't that's when you first see. Well, it, yeah, right? first, but there was really nothing goofy about that. No, that was more stoic than anything. Yeah, else. John, how do you make Ego the living planet? Not a little bit. I mean, is he supposed to be? I am Ego, the living planet. Yeah, <laughs> and doesn't that make it ultimately more terrifying when you're like? Wow, what a great dad figure. What a nice guy. And then you're like, oh, shit. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, why is this mountain of skeletons under here? Yeah. Um, I, I don't think he... Look, James Gunn definitely has a tongue-in-cheek approach to things. Mm. and But when you are able to, as an audience, appreciate the depth and the layers and what lies beneath the surface of that veneer, and you start realizing shit, this is emotional, this is heavy, mm. this is multidimensional, this is all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, man, I, I and, and listen, when you look at the charm that leads to the incredible success of the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise, it all comes from that. So I don't see that as a problem at all. I personally see it as one of the strengths. And it's one of his signatures. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know? I and, mean, Peacemaker was shockingly emotional. Yes. Mm -hmm. Despite all the the nonsense and ridiculousness of it. Right. But like, still, so all of a sudden and it is sort of like that thing where you go, Oh my God, wait, wh why am I crying all of a sudden? Why is this? That just hit me in a way that I was not expecting. By the way, are we getting a peacemaker season two? Yes. yes. Okay. And by it's like, for example, like when, when it's white dragon, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. When white dragon buys it and oh. they, like you're shocked by why, why are we feeling this? Right. Like when the scene is playing out and all this kind of stuff, like even the jokes they play into it feed into the emotion of talent. Like there's something James Gunn has in his bag of elixir that just works really well in that it's level. It's a darkness. All right. What's next? From Connor Lee. I've been going through a tough time in life and school, but you guys always put a smile on my face every day I watch. So I just want to say thank you and keep up the amazing work. Oh, well, thank you for that, Connor. You know, that that is the great thing about movies and communities that talk about movies is that movies give us an opportunity to, it's like people just call movies an escape. I don't call them an escape. I call them an oasis. Hmm. You know, we can step into it, let our imaginations go loose, experience something, think about something. Then when we come out of it, our, I always say this, when I come out of a movie, my real world problems are still there, but my mind is a little bit more rested. My perception may have changed a little bit. The problems are still there, but maybe my ability to interface with those problems have changed. That's one of the great things about movies and why they're one of the big passions in my life. So I'm glad this community can be here and be that for you as well, man. All right. What's next? Ascension Network. John, what did you think of the Skywalker saga? How much time have you had to play? Uh, I played once for about 30 minutes. Uh, we're talking about the Lego game. That's Would you on recommend it? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. It it's so funny. Fun. Yeah. It's funny. 
Like, like they're the, all of a sudden, like you're just playing the, the, the scenarios are right. And all of a sudden these lines drop and you're like, Oh my God, did they just say that? And it's like really fun and funny. But again, I haven't had chance. We've been so busy, but I played it the one time, sat down for about 30 minutes. It's my PlayStation, my remote control is still on the coffee table, waiting for me to pick it up and keep going. But yes, I enjoy it. All right. What's next? From Never Lose Your Nerd, I love Avatar, Doctor Strange 2 was great, and Wanda was bad AF. I, uh, I'm not going to, listen, not in my top 10 favorite movies of all time. Wanda was fantastic. Mm -hmm. The Wanda character was fan-freaking-tastic in this movie. Absolutely loved it. All right, what's next? From Fredo. Hey, guys. Fredo. John, would you- Fredo. <laughs> uh, what did you think of my boy Charles choking out Justin? It happened so fast. Also, that Tony KO was devastating to watch. I was so upset to see my favorite fighter go out like that. Dude, that I I I thought he might be dead. Oh, like Tony Ferguson, who has never been knocked out. Um, he took that kick under the chin, and I, and he just dropped like a sack of potatoes. Like I, and then he just didn't move, and I'm like, I think he's really hurt. It was great to see, like a minute later, he's standing up, you know, for the for the judge's decision, all that kind of stuff. That was great too. Here's the thing about Charles Oliveira, who's now the lightweight champion of the UFC. Here's the problem. He's great. I've followed him ever since he came into the UFC. I think he's wonderful. But here's the problem with him. In all three of the most recent fights, when she won the title and defended the title, he's getting his face bashed in. He's been hit hard and get like before he choked out Justin Gaethje, Justin Gaethje knocked him on his ass twice. And that's amazing that he was able to recover and come back for that and secure the submission. That's great. But that is not the first. same thing happened uh, against um, uh, the guy who just knocked out Ferguson. Why am I freezing on the uh, Ray was who's the guy who knocked out Ferguson uh, uh, Chandler Chandler Michael yeah. Chandler. So same thing happened to Chandler Chandler busted him and dropped him on his ass and he was able to come back and that's great. But that is not the formula for a long championship reign. The one thing I kind of hope is that he maybe he makes one or two more defenses and make Khabib go, huh? Somebody thinks they're good. All right, and then have Khabib come out of retirement and, and destroy him. But, but hey, good on him for coming back, you, though. That was know, great. You know, the most shocking knockout of the weekend was the fans during the Rose fight. <laughs> oh, yeah, when they knocked out from boredom? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Rose, what are you doing? Come on, Rose. Gosh, I love her, too. I was so yeah, disappointed in that. All right, yeah, what's next? so disappointing. Knockout By the way, Jonathan, how, how much further we have to we go here? three more. Okay, let's go. What's next? From David, there's a guy in my town that sells DVDs in the corner. He calls it Hood Still? <laughs> he, he calls it Hoodbox, and even he is going to streaming. I think Aaron is right. Physical media will just be for collectors. Oh, I, oh my God, Rob, we've seen your future. Like, we have seen Rob's future, and well, it is man, called Hoodbox. Yeah, Hoodbox. Hey, listen, maybe he's the guy, because I still remember a couple years ago, Anne had gone into downtown L.A. with her friend Corey, and she came back. She goes, look, I got Sonic the Hedgehog. Mm -mm. And it had only been in theaters for about three or four weeks. Just, I didn't even know it was out yet. And I look at him like, honey, where did you get this? Oh, this guy was selling them. Okay, sure. Have you noticed this looks like it came out of a bad Epson printer? <laughs> she goes, not really. I said, have you opened it yet? And she says, no. So we open it up and it's just this white blank disc. Yeah, like, yeah, baby. Yeah, maybe That's it was the same original. guy. Maybe that was the same guy. Someone with like the camcorder in the back of the theater. Yep. That's the director <laughs> copy. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's the director's version. All right, what's next? 
Uh, Noah Ag sending in support. Thank you, Noah. Jedediah Elias, his second part here to comic book movies, and the Guardians team returning after Infinity War. It's guaranteed at this point. What was the first part that Jedediah was saying oh, again? Oh my God, I missed Dr. the first Strange. part. We were talking Shoot. about. I can't remember what he was talking about at all, Joe. I actually copied his message because he said just in case a second part didn't come in. I was waiting for his first part, but oh, I guess no. you guys already passed it. Oh, oh, oh man. So I'm not quite sure. Guys, remember when you're sending in multi parts. Type them up in Notepad first, and boom, boom, enter it right away so it doesn't come out so much later. Anyway, guys, that'll do it for today's installment of The John Campy Show. Thank you so much for being here, making the show part of your day. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Click the thumbs up. Leave a comment down below. We got another mailbag episode coming a little bit later today. Keep your guys' eyes open for that. Also, for those of you who are channel members on the director or producer level, at 3.30 this afternoon, we are doing a town hall meeting. So you can come on in. I'll be there to answer any and all of your questions about the studio, our operation, what we do, what the future is. Uh, maybe you got some other other questions you want maybe you want to talk about poker whatever you guys you guys want to talk about make sure you come back and join us at 3 30 los angeles time uh for that all right i want to thank the people in the room with me starting over here robert meyer burnett where can people find you online uh you can find me on instagram john yep. rm burnett you can find me on twitter burnett rm find me on my uh youtube channel post geek singularity and on on uh, TikTok, I'm at the Post Geek Singularity too. Right beside him, we got Chris Carr. Chris, where can people find you? You can find me choking and doing other stupid things with water, probably on Instagram at actor Chris Carr, Twitter at actor Chris Carr, and John. Real quick, Ryan in the chat wants to know when people can ask spoilery questions in their super chats regarding Doctor Strange. Not for another month or two. Cool. Not for another month or two. All right. Although here we got Ray Ora. Ray, where can people find you? Uh, Ray Ora with a zero. And right over there, our guest in here today, of course, with Joey Bishop. Look how cute Joey is. We got Aaron Cummings. Aaron, where can people follow you? You can check me out on Instagram at Aaron L. Cummings. Lots of pictures of Joey Bishop as well. And if you missed the May 1st episode of SWAT on CBS, check it out on streaming. I am playing a very angry prisoner lady and apparently it's pretty good but i haven't gotten a chance to see it yet so and by the way no i have not been crying i've been sick all week and i am 100 better thank you so much for the comments and the concern um i am 100 and it is so great to be back here with my friends first time in the studio yeah it was your first time here and of course uh, fact checker jonathan great job as always back there and uh, guys you can follow me on instagram or on twitter simply at john campy you can see that right there all right guys that'll do it for us for now thanks a lot for being here my name is john campia and until next time my friends Bye-bye.